Hello once again, and welcome back to the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast, where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. Uh, once again, we've got quite a crowd here today. Uh, we're going to try to manage the, the number of people present on this cast as best as we can. My name is Brian Vitale, and let me go through who's all with me today. Uh, we have Josh Torres. Free TGS week. Get excited. We have Jess Reyes. We have Adam Vitale. Hello. James Galizio. Y'all ready to hear about patch notes? Chow Min Wu. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And joining us uh, for the first time in a long time, we've got Cullen Black. Hi. Oh, no. I'm Mr. <clears throat> All right. It's good to have you back. But uh, so a lot, a lot of times when we have this podcast, we try to limit it to like six people, but I was too mean to, or I was going to be too nice to like try to kick one off so we're going to go with seven and uh see how that ha- see how that works out usually you're us. too mean today yes. you decided to be nice yeah i am i'm i am being gentle today i don't want to i don't want to step on anyone's toes uh but uh josh has it right this is basically kind of like we're in pre-tgs mode uh obviously last week we had the very long discussion about the recently released tales of arise which i assume many of us are still playing through uh this week yeah. doesn't have uh, any really big uh, headline except for kind of the first uh, inklings of what we might see at TGS uh, and a couple other like uh, features that have gone up on the site, uh, some announcements of dates and delays. So some ticky tack stuff, kind of just, you know, looking forward to what we are anticipating for the upcoming weeks. Um, Tokyo Game Show is from, I believe, September 30th to October 2nd or 3rd. So about a week and a half away or so, two weeks away. Uh, We're starting to just now get details about what we might see there. But we did have uh, one major release that we want to talk about that also has a review up on the site. And for that, I'm going to hand it over to Josh Torres to talk about Lost Judgment. So, Josh, I know that you have been uh, working away at this for a while now, and now you're finally free to talk about it. So, uh, Lost Judgment, just take it away. it's, it's weird because like this game's like not technically out yet even as early access they have that whole if you buy this expensive edition go play like five days early or something uh, the new sega classic yeah um <laughs> lost judgment obviously is the sequel to judgment that came out what 2018 2019 or something it's the the yakuza series spinoff uh featuring uh takiyuki yagami so he's the the detective from kamurocho and it, a, a lot of people really like Judgment. Like some people will go to say, "Hey, that Judgment was my favorite Yakuza game," and whatnot. And I, I totally get it. Like Judgment is such a uh, was such a cool game at its time. It was just, like it was just different enough from Yakuza. Uh, that's like it. It you know you didn't have to play through Yakuza Zero through Yakuza Six and like uh, to to really get what's going on. And I know a lot of people started Yakuza Yakuza Seven as well because they switch up to turn based battle system and that's cool and then i know a number of people that from there went backwards and said okay since i like this so much i want to go play through the other games and that's all good and well so lost judgment uh takes place about three years after um the the first game so chronologically speaking uh in universe it takes place after like a dragon so whatever it takes into account what happens in like a dragon uh, i won't get into you know what happens on like a dragon here obviously for people who haven't played it yet but you know, just keep in mind that you know, as events unfold in Lost Judgment, 
uh, there will be some considerations that you know were established in like a dragon. It's not like the, it's not like super super important. It's just like minor plot details that like, might be might be hard. So to it's not like a sequel to like to like a dragon. Just no. sort of set in that do period. I, do I have it. to play Yakuza zero through seven to to play Lost Judgment? No, no, no. You don't <laughs> have to. <laughs> Go for it. Oh no, I was going to say in that uh in that line of thought. So I this might be an obvious uh answer so do you have to play the original to enjoy lost judgment oh no technically you don't because a lot the main story like the story's trying to tell is very standalone from the first one but they're like if you want to know like who these characters are and their backgrounds and like the relationship like because you know there'll be uh, like people who you befriended in the first game the main narrative wise who are like now just part of your group is there? Um, does it do a Yakuza Six where there's a big beach mind hallway where everybody recaps every other game because they're like, "Wow, no. Yakuza Zero kind of blew up in the West, huh?" No, it do- it doesn't have that, but it does have like like brief flashback like stills of like, "Oh, it's this guy. He helped me out with this," you know, when they're introducing him, or like even for like this like they're like side cases still, and a good chunk of those side cases are kind of like. They they have like the same characters that you helped out in the first judgment, and then it'll do like oh, a flashback. No. Still, I like, didn't do oh, I remember. Uh, 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 yeah, Yagami, like, oh, I remember this guy. We uh, he helped me out fight off this person in the sewer, uh, you know, in the first <laughs> game and whatnot. You know, so it, it, it's like it's it's like very brief. It's not like oh no, I don't have this connection. But it's like it's we see them. It's like oh cool, that person's back. Like it, I think in the main narrative of the first game, like you remember like the old guru guy who made the who made the extract things that you can do use in combat. Like he has oh, like I that building. I just used yeah. the, uh, the DLC ones that came with the PS5 version, <laughs> and then I killed everything in the later half of the game because I got bored with the combat. So speaking of that, how's the combat, mm-hmm. Josh? The combat is way, 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 way better uh, oh, in this God. one. Yeah. So you know, before I, I guess before I jump into combat, let me just go set the okay. stage for like you know wherever you are in this game. So for people who played like a dragon, you're uh, the majority of your time in. Lost Judgment is now in Yokohama, like in Like a Dragon. You can explore Yokohama now without having to uh, be tied to a turn-based battle system. You'll get into those seamless brawls that the Yakuza series, you know, always had been until Like a, like a Dragon. So, like, uh, Yokohama is still very big, and now you have, like, this whole new area to explore in Yokohama, like this uh, Serio High School, uh, because, you know, uh, the story is basically set up that... Uh, Yagami and Kaito, his partner, uh, are called by Sukumo and Sugiura from the first game because they made a new detective agency in Yokohama. And they're like, hey, we have this, uh, we're still starting out and we have like this big case. Can you come in out and help us? And then they're like, okay, yeah, we can go take a vacation from Kamarocho for a while. It's in good hands. So uh, they go there. And then the, the very first thing that you basically do is investigate like a bullying uh, case at Serio High School, and this becomes a very, very big recurring theme throughout the entire game. Like you know, people who, have, you know, th- depending on your life experiences, this could be a very difficult game to to play, like in uh, like in long bursts, you know, or in, lo- in long sessions and whatnot. And because like it's so, it's so like focused on like the the direct and indirect eff- uh, effects of bullying and like to all. The people involved in, in in such an incident and how do you how do you address it because bullying is one of those things that has like no easy answer uh, yeah. uh like you know uh, like because the, the 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 circumstances that lead up to bullying how it's being bullied and like even even if it's like 
um bullying comes in all sorts of forms it doesn't have to be like oh there's these rowdy high school students that are like picking on this person daily for you know whatever reason like bullying comes in the form of like say um you know just you uh have being at work and you have like a, a boss that's like putting pressure on you to like meet a deadline and like kind of pushing you towards that and like and that in a way is like a form of bullying depending on how they convey that towards you and whatnot so it's like bullying is not just like one sort of like instance or isolated incident it's like okay th there are definitely more things at play here and th that's a recurring theme throughout the game so for people like who are you know who may are maybe suffering that or have suffered that before like you know be aware take care you know uh, obviously like this is an enjoyable game but like there are also uh, like there are other yakuza games that are heavy and somehow this game like is it's the heavier heaviest. than most yeah yeah um yeah. But, I mean, we've been talking about this in our own conversations but i yeah. think it's really neat how in the marketing for the last couple months they've been basically like starting with like content warnings for people because mm -hmm. like a lot of people know what yakuza is and mm -hmm. like if people hear oh there's a new yakuza game coming out and they just want to go see what lost judgment is and they're hit with some of the stuff they've shown literally in the very first like trailer like with the dead body it's like you how how much money did you put into making this dead body look like that yeah it makes it, it makes you think about like how you know the the stories that came out you know uh you're like a few years ago of things at nether realm studios and like yeah. how much time they put like you know making the fatalities in that game you know it's like the toll it takes uh to to go to do that like, behind the scenes it's it's you know it's it's tough stuff so i can only imagine like how the development of this game went and what what sort of work had to be done so hopefully it was okay i can't speak to that obviously oh yeah uh, and i wasn't trying to yeah. like start yeah. a thing about yeah. that oh, yeah, but it for was sure. like it this game looks a lot more just like serious and heavier than most yakuza games so like having said that though because i'm not going to make you talk about story because i don't think anyone yeah. wants to hear about story right. Right. even if you could yeah i think um, i did the one the one thing I'll, I'll i'll tell people off the off the front depending on what they've read on the internet about this game over the past week because you know there's there, there to me i already can already foresee that there's gonna be a lot of conflicting feelings about this game yeah and it all it all it'll all vary uh, to person to person, depending on their life experiences and whatnot. Like for a good chunk of the game, like I was like, I really wonder how they'll nail this because, like, even I feel uncomfortable about like the way they're presenting stuff. And for I, I imagine a lot of people will feel the same way. And it's like, I I, I recommend people to kind of see how it plays out in the context of the game, and you know, reach your own conclusion whether you think they were successful or not in. And try and trying to uh, send their grand message. That's all I can really say without, you know, spoiling anything. But there are definitely things and revelations and developments throughout the story. You're like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, so, and I, my recommendation would be just like, uh, play through it. They'll, you know, they'll address it and and touch upon it and try to, you know, give their own explanation about like why oh, why things yeah. came out the, the why things it, are the way they are. It wouldn't be an RGG game if it didn't kind of butcher some of what it was trying to do <laughs> like i love yakuza 7 it is my favorite game in the series but there is a lot of things in that game that's like what yeah yeah why are you doing it like this yeah and, and that, that's huh? all it's definitely but it's yeah it's definitely one of those things that people will like tilt their head like huh okay and then all i have to say it's like this this 
if you're playing it, you know, play through until the ending and see, you know, if it works for you or not. And and if you're just watching like a a let's play or a streamer, like I always encourage people at least, you know, try to get the context of like the entire situation because this is a very like the the main narrative of this game is very dialogue heavy and it's very like paying attention to like what's going on and thinking about all the the webs and connections and like uh, what like and the motivations of like what what why people are doing what they're doing and whatnot. It, it's like I like I mentioned in my review. It, it it by the second half it does get like a tad messy to like reaching that finale. But I think the finale like the final scenes of that game like really hit home that there's like no easy right and no easy wrong and like no easy answers in general about like what's actually going on you know and i'm, I'm really interested to see what how people i'm looking forward to it uh yeah. i i did not uh qualify for a pre-release code uh i'm trying to see if i can uh get one for my channel to make a video on it uh but Just i'm pre-order the uh the digital deluxe edition or, or whatever I, five days I, later. look look unfortunately <laughs> if it comes down to it i'm just gonna do that because i'm not gonna let twitter spoil me on this and i think that's the market that sega is trying to hit which mm. i respect the hustle don't get me wrong mm. but for a game like this i'm like okay i don't want to get spoiled on this yeah but also sorry. uh there's like Weirdly enough, and I feel like they haven't talked about this enough. There's a whole Kaito expansion that's coming out. What, like late next year? Like it's spring of next year or something like that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. So I'm real. I, there, there are definitely segments of the story. Like I'm like I'm wondering if they're gonna like try to slot this like story content in, or is it after the event? I wonder. It makes me really curious. Like if they're if it's if that expansion is gonna be like, oh, what was he doing at this time, or is it like set after the events? I hope it's more Fantasy of a fifteen style. Yeah, I, I don't know why I thought about that. Where I they kind of just thinking, grabbed it. I was actually thinking of Final Fantasy 15, uh, the way that Josh described that, where it's like, here's what Gladio was doing, and uh, in my <laughs> opinion, the uh, the Final Fantasy 15 little DLCs are average to bad. Like, I think Promptos is okay, and the other two are bad. I, I like Promptos, and I don't care for the other ones. Yeah, so I don't want to. I don't want to get too off tangent, but I just want to say Adam blurted that out while I was thinking about it. Um, <laughs> so you talk about how like judgments or sorry lost judgments story is kind of heavy and deep and talks about like bullying and gaslighting and the different yeah, it's, it's a lot it's a lot more it's definitely more than that uh but i i don't i don't want to i'm doing my best not to spoil that experience to people because there are definitely like i want people to have like the same revelations that i had or same type of like surprise that i did I'm like oh wow that's i never would have thought it would have gotten this direction type but, of deal did the original judgment uh have a similar sort of tonality to it or was it more kind of because i'm currently most of the way through a yakuza series playthrough i just finished well not just finished a couple months ago i finished five which i did not like very much uh but <laughs> mood, I, yeah. I, I, I feel Big like mood. yakuza's threes three four and five they try to play like the emotional angle uh usually involving the orphanage or things like that but usually there's too many like contrivances or silly moments or or yume's or yeah, just things that kind of uh, compromise it where I never really feel like emotionally invested as much as I think they want me to. So I wonder if maybe does, does, does the judgment, because if judgment's kind of like the spiritual successor of the brawler style Yakuza game, um, does it play I, at more level where you don't have that weird conflict of, because I know like uh, Yakuza 
it's a very difficult fine line to have like the kitsch goofy mini games and side stories and then have kind of like this dramatic thriller in the center and it's sometimes you pull it off and like in zero and sometimes you don't like in four or five so based on your description Um, it seems like judgment handles it a bit better well for judgment one and i'm only bringing this up because i that's the only one of them i played uh maybe josh thinks differently but judgment one is interesting i wouldn't say judgment one gets too emotional but judgment one is a surprisingly solid murder mystery story that gets on some really interesting themes on like like government corruptness and all that stuff and kind of ends justify the means uh so i'm not sure how much of judgment two like, is there like a carryover of those themes, Josh, or is it kind of just doing its own thing? So for ju- for Judgment One, it, it is definitely like the sort of crime drama you would see on TV. Like, you know, it's like a like a, a first season of like a crime drama, and it's it's sort of like that. You have a really interesting murder mystery, and like you said, it touches upon more grander themes the deeper you go into the truth of it all. I've heard um, even that if you approach Judgment like a J drama, you will enjoy it way more. Oh yeah, I mean that the, even the opening, the opening is fucking baller, and that's exactly how dream drama openings are uh, with that. So, and, and I, th- I think the Judgment One has this problem that like it makes you go, uh, it detracts you too much sometimes, like in the in like the middle of the game, like wh- where the main narrative is gonna go. Like you're gonna go back to your detective agency, but like oh, there's like this missing kid and whatnot, like who uh, who you have to there's like a mandatory side quest uh, you have to do before you go rest at your agency it's like it comes out of nowhere it's like not really relevant to the story kind of it makes you like go to like too much side content at times to like you're like what was the purpose of this you know okay. it's like, okay. yeah, that is actually something i wanted to ask and maybe you were going to get into it but so that's my biggest problem with almost every single yakuza game and you reminded me every single one has that moment where the middle kind of sucks it's kind of real dumb and bad. So then, uh, so let let's uh, let, let me go like address that after Brian's. Oh, yeah. yeah. So in uh, in Lost Judgment, there it's it's really fascinating how the beginning hours of that game goes because um, the the world doesn't really open up to you. Like side cases don't open up until like you're about maybe five or so hours into it. Because you, it once you go to Serio High School, once you go to Jincho, um, and uh, Yagami is helping out his two buddies. Like it kind of locks you to this first story arc where there's this like there's a really delicate topic of like this high school girl getting bullied and whatnot. And the, and basically the chairman of that school asks you like, hey, can you like investigate my school? Essentially, of like instances of like bullying. Is there like a big bullying problem around? And there's like a whole thing around that. Um, and like it really locks you into place and focuses you on that on that until you release a some a somewhat sort of a sustainable resolution to that because it's not like it's not i'm not going to tell you it's like cut and dry clean it like it wipes its hands and then it moves on and whatnot because you know obviously bullying it like is not uh, the type of problem where you can really like okay we solved your bullying problem okay next it's like eh, it's just not you know that's not feasible and not believable um so it like it does its best to kind of like find a resolution to that, but it does, never wipes its hands clean of that fully until like you know later later on when, when other things and other uh, stuff is known to you and opens up and whatnot. So it so there's just like this really intimate feeling that it establishes off the get go, where like you're 
it's setting the tone for a recurring theme that will happen again and again and again in a game in different forms. And as you're unraveling the mystery little by little, as you're connecting the dots between like, you know, what's going on and what Yagami is doing and what the beginning of the game shows, because the beginning of the game shows like, oh, there's an unidentified corpse that was found in Yokohama. There's this, you know, um, police officer that's caught for uh, sexual, uh, arrested for sexual battery and is now in a court hearing. And uh, at the time of his hearing, he uh, not only, you know, uh, t- identifies that there was a corpse uh, found in Ijinsho that wasn't publicized yet. He also identifies that corpse correctly. And then there's this whole thing of like, okay, wait, if you know who that is, that kind of makes you, that, that makes you look really, you know, suspicious that, like, did I, did you do it then? But then since his crime was all caught on tape, like the time, uh, the time and place of that, of his crime, uh, there's no way he could have, uh, done that if he was already here type of deal so it's like so there's this whole mystery behind that and you know as yagami kind of digs into like the deeper truth of like where things are going like things start coming together and it it feels more intimate even though it's juggling a lot uh at once at first and then you really have to work through it and see okay there's this uh that like this is what's going on essentially uh, th- does that make a little bit of sense? Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Okay, and then um, to the Cullen's uh, question, the the game still does have like it's it doesn't have like, a shitty middle, but that like there's definitely uh, portions in the middle where like you'll go back to like the Yokohama Detective Agency. It's like oh Yagami, um, you know. There's this disturbance here. Let me go introduce this new gadget. You gotta have like a noise amplifier. Again, then you have this whole tutorial of like how you use the noise amplifier to go find this and whatnot. But the 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 middle of it is uh, interesting because it's an ongoing thing where you're you sort of have to like uh, retrace the steps of like and make sure you have every uh, your facts in check. So for for example, since this is all caught on tape, the the police officer Ehara. Um, it, it, that that whole ordeal, which is established at the very beginning of the game, so this isn't spoilers. Um, the like, you know it was all caught on tape at the at the subway station, and then you go to the the subway station uh, with one of the Genda law firm uh, people, and you and then uh, you have you're investigating like okay, what's the where were these cameras at the time of this uh, of this incident and. What are the ranges where these cameras can like uh, cover and whatnot? So it's a lot of so the middle is a lot of investigative work to get your facts in check, essentially, which makes sense. And I think it flows better than the first judgment in terms of like what you're actually doing in the middle. A, a lot of the middle is like is like stuff is happening like at the tail end of those those chapters, but it's like uh, it's a lot of investigative work and getting your facts in check. Which I don't know if it'll not land for people, but for me, it's like okay, he's actually doing like more work as a detective more so than the first game where like you're yeah like, that's things kind of things kind of spontaneously happen you're just kind of strung along with I it. mean that's that's good though because I really felt like judgment's middle kind of drops that detective stuff and you're kind or like what Yagami is doing as like did as a detective was kind of hands off. Like yeah, that- it was more it was more like a like another typical Yakuza middle game like like oh it's like you could like replace Yagami for Kiryu and like yeah like played out similarly because you because in the first judgment that like, you're stunk but you're, you're strung by this yakuza fa- uh tojo clan family and then you have this 
you know, loose cannon in there, and you're kind of strung along because, you know, in the context of that game, uh, Yagami was still like a crestfallen type of individual and like trying to work out like the kind of kind of like the demons of his past and whatnot. And uh, and while, uh, while at the same time he's like establishing like relationships of like you know both enemies and allies alike, and so. It, a lot of it was like foundational work from uh, for like from which this this can springboard off of, and now it's not like bound by that. It's now more so okay. Yagami is actually doing detective work now. That's that's good because one of the things that like well it works in judgment, but it is very reliant on the yakuza at the core. Like I imagine there is still yakuza or like you know there's still like heavy crime stuff. We've seen that from trailers. But is there as much of a focus on the Yakuza as an organization like the first one had? There, there, there is because uh, because of the because things happen in Like a Dragon. Um, that there are now you know because of the fallout uh, of things in Like a Dragon. Uh, there now you're feeling the ripples of you know what happened after that. So yes, there is still uh, a Yakuza component to it, but the, but there's enough of like of a thread where like it tries to do its own stuff as well it does have its own identity as well and you'll feel this real really oh. hard in the first few hours where like when you're like you're doing the serial high school stuff it's like wow this doesn't feel like a yakuza game at all at <laughs> the first few hours and it, it's kind of to me it's kind of cool it's like okay this could be like a potential thing that like they could try to do more of like obviously in a different context but like there there are definitely avenues they it seems like they want to explore outside of just like you know the the yakuza formula kind of narrative formula and whatnot and i think it it, it it becomes really it becomes really interesting in that uh, respect. Um, when it comes to combat, like we mentioned, uh, kind of teased earlier, uh, combat is way better. And the first one, like it was, it was still fluid because Yagami's a more nimble person. He's not the hard hitter as uh, Kiryu, uh, but he's a lot more agile. Uh, you know, does that uh, those 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 wall strikes? He has these two like fighting stances: one for like groups, and the other for like more one on one encounters. But you know, it was still kind of janky because you know, whenever enemies block, your your limbs will just bounce off of them, and it's like, okay, well, this like the flow of combat is just kind of it is what it is in that game, and it it felt it was it was basic but serviceable. And uh, lost judgment, it is a lot more fluid. Your uh, your attacks actually follow through instead of bounce off. Um, you're not you don't have a combo speed uh upgrade anymore because it's just max combo speed from the get-go you never have to touch combo speed and there's no upgradable combo speed everything is fast and fluid uh and a lot of your options are there like the crane stance um well with your a was your aoe blue mode uh stance type of deal like that's been entirely reworked uh because a, a lot of moves kind of missed or like hit at very weird angles with crane this one has like a lot more sweeps and has a lot more focus on like okay getting a wide spread of attacks and actually hitting like you know what it's intended for so uh has gotten like a big buff and has like a this if you remember in the matrix when uh, neo does this jump in the air like mm -hmm. in like freeze frame he has that called the St sky dancer so and that, and that's a really useful tool in Crane. Uh, Tiger is back, and the, a lot of like the later upgrades you might have gotten for that in the first game, it's unlocked from the get go. So you feel pretty powerful from the uh, uh, from the beginning. And uh, the one of my one of my favorite additions was the to this uh, game was the Snake Stance. That's the new uh, combat style in here, and that's a more defensive uh, thing. It has the the parry mechanic. It's kind of like Tanimura, I think is 
that was his name from Yakuza Four, like the cop. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So he had that. He has that parry, but like the parry window is a lot more uh, wider and forgiving. So you kind of parry their attack, and then there were upgrades where you can like do follow up attacks. And the really cool thing about Snake Stance also is if a weapon, if a if a enemy has a weapon, you can just like, disarm them. You can grab them and then choose to like disarm their weapon from like a QTE. Uh, One of the things I was really happy to hear is that the mortal wound system was gone because it was trash and awful. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, God. Yep. A lot of you know returning people from the first game will be really happy to know that mortal wounds is a system where if you got hit by a certain like really hard hitting attack from a boss or special enemy, it would just um, decrease the max HP cap you have on your character permanently unless you use the med kit or go to some shady underground doctor and pay like a, a hefty fee to kind of get that all restored. It's just kind of it's like, man, this sucks. So there are still mortal attacks in this game where uh, character uh, you know, bosses will go to an rage mode and then they'll they'll use that like kind of like red aura attack. And, but all that does is do a lot of damage to you. It won't do mortal wounds. And then uh, on the flip side as well, if uh, when they do those, you can actually counter them back with a mortal reversal, and then it'll like basically flip that damage on them instead. So you're just like you're just doing a ton of damage to to people in this game. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, people who are going from the first game into Lost Judgment will feel the the vast improvements of combat like right away like even in the demo it's like it just it feels better you can you can uh switch fighting styles mid combo a lot easier and combo off of that if you really and then since like the the stance animations for them is like pretty much instantaneous now you don't have to wait for like that weird two second like oh i'm going to the crane he goes and then he spins around it's like okay yagami come on we need, we need you to attack um I am glad to hear that it, because uh, when I, as I've been playing through, I, I always have to keep referencing the Yakuza games. So I haven't played either Judgment, um, yeah. but especially for three, four, and five, it does this thing where you start out and combat feels so bad until you like get halfway through like the progression trees. And I feel like action games in general, whether they're RPGs or not RPGs or quasi RPGs or not, that's a hard thing to balance because you want to have that feeling of progression in terms of getting stronger, faster, or unlocking new abilities, but you don't want it to feel like completely terrible to play for the first five hours so it does yeah. it's really cool to hear that it sounds like lost judgment kind of finds a, a better balance than the first game where yeah off it, the feel, bat, it feels you know, good yeah it mm-hmm. feels good from the get-go yeah and, and this is it's just very noticeable right away um let's see oh in terms of like when you mentioned uh like progression like skill progression that that entire like the the tree for that has entirely been reworked so each of the stances, Crane, Tiger, and Snake, had their own separate skill tree on top of like their base upgrades on like maxing out their health health cap or um and whatnot, or uh like trying trying to upgrade like the other uh mechanics of the game like tailing missions and whatnot. Yeah, tailing missions are back. They're they're still kind of bad, but they're <laughs> a little bit better. But tail, tail, there, there's it feels like there's less tailing missions. In this game, they don't last as long. I, I don't. That's I all like. I need to hear. Yeah, because I'm not like they are decent for changing up your um your like you know making the making the game fresh, changing things up a little bit. It's just that they're bad and they take too long, and there are way too many of them. So yeah. all I really need are just like less and shorter. Yeah, it, it, that's what it felt like to me after coming off of Judgment Remaster, a, re, a replay of Judgment through the remaster. Um, so I, I mean, it's it's 
It's a little bit harder though in this game because if you remember the first game when you're tailing someone that like they have the suspicion meter that can gro go down, right? When you're just hiding. Uh, in this game, it has a percentage and that percentage will not go down even if you're hiding. So That's, that's kind of awesome. Yeah, so it, it is. There's more stakes to it, but in the, on the flip side, they give you this mechanic where you can, if they spot you or they get to suspicion, you can act casually, where like you hold down triangle, and like yeah, you can like be looking on your phone and whatnot, and then they'll be like, oh, okay, then nothing's there, even though even though you're not in cover, you know, like if you just like you're really in a bad spot, um, so you, and you can upgrade like how long that that takes and whatnot. So I mean, tailing missions are still there, they're not as awful, but still bad. Um, in terms of progression, if you remember. The the thing that I really didn't like in the first game was like unlocking skills felt it, it felt like it like accruing skill points took forever because like random encounters across the street was like, hey, take out these like five thugs, you get like twenty-seven skill points. By the way, this next upgrade's yeah. like a thousand skill points. That, that was one of the worst parts where I was trying to engage with the combat system, but you your skills grew at such a slow level, and by the end, I was so sick of like the battles. That I kind of just bullshitted all of them or ran away, so it just didn't feel very even. So in the, in this game, uh, they they solved that uh, that by having a battle reward system in combat, where uh, depending on what you do in combat, just like normal things you do in combat, you'll get additional skill points on top of the skill points that encounter would have made. So like if you defeat uh, an enemy or defeat an enemy in crane, like it'll give you those rewards, and then like if you beat an enemy, like uh with each of the stances you'll get uh, additional uh bonus skill points on top of that and then if you use an ex action in combat you'll get rewarded for that if you use a weapon attack you'll get rewarded for that so you're basically stacking skill point modifiers uh on top of like this one random encounter and and then there's a, a skill perk in your tree where you can uh basically multiply the amount of reward uh, skill point rewards you get per encounter so like my i guess pro tip would be getting those upgrades early because i was raking in like maybe 2000 3000 skill points per encounter you know in that game and like if you think about like how much like things cost like in the first judgment it's like it's not it, like there are skill points like the amount of skill points you use in this game is substantially more now so like your upgrades will cost a little bit more expensive but unlocking them is at a more consistent uh clip essentially so because you're stacking these battle rewards on top of like everything else you're getting skill points and amassing skill points as long as you get those modifiers and whatnot so that it, it solves that problem in a, in a pretty uh so significant way so that's uh really cool i guess the like the last thing i want to touch upon on because i know this is going in a little bit too deep and too long is um Eventually, Yagami serves as an outside counselor, counselor and advisor to the school. This has been revealed in the trailers, not a spoiler. But he uh, he does that for the Mystery Research Club, and uh, the you can think of the Mystery Research Club. And I really love the members of the Mystery Research Club. They're when you say that, bunch. so before you describe that, I, like I immediately think like Scooby Doo or something, Persona Four, maybe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. Uh, man, they're they're a great bunch. Where you're basically you have this unifying narrative where there this school has like a tremendous amount of like problem students like it's crazy and like and they they kind of identify like oh there's like this master there there might be this mastermind behind it all or like at least most of the ones that we see and then so you have to infiltrate like different 
clubs both inside and outside the school like different communities so like you'll do like the dance club or the robotics club or the esports club and whatnot and like they have their own stories and you're trying to find like you know what's happening here and like what their connection is to this mastermind behind like you know the school's like problem students and whatnot so so you're you're doing the dancing mini game you're doing the robot the robotics club mini game which is really cool because like for me if you're if you're if you're me and like to tinker with robots and mechs in your games, Robotics Club is really funny because that's what the whole mini game thing is all about, uh, where you're just upgrading like your trio of robots to kind of, you know, work with you. Um, Unrelated, Josh, you should play Robotics yeah. Notes. I, I should. I, I I think I watched a show like 10 million years ago, but it was not great. But I heard the game's better. The game is um, way better and the show is fine. The show fine. is one of the few good science adventure adaptations and like, even then it's okay like okay i when i was uh writing my review not to like side this, but when i was writing my review i watched the entire show in a day and i was like it's fine <laughs> that's all right so yeah so you're getting you're infiltrating these uh, clubs and organizations and, and it's encouraging you to basically do them to kind of feed into this mystery research club uh, overall lying uh, lying narrative and whatnot and that's a really cool incentive because like there's a, just a lot of like fun mini games you can engage with you can be part of a biker gang the the boxing mini game is so good I, because it's you're basically going through this like uh these fighters there's like a lot of like people you can fight it's like maybe like two dozen of them i want to say um and like the end of the, the boxing mechanics are actually like somewhat deep but like but more so it's like deep enough and also very fun it's very fast paced you're you're switching between like covering your head and your body and taking head and body shots of the jab straight and hook and then like there's a separate like upgrade tree for boxing skills that like you unlock more of those skills as you fight opponents and then you spend your money to like upgrade those and i think part of like the dlc roadmap for this game is like you can take your boxing like fighting style and skills outside of just that boxing mini game and take it out into the base game, which is kind of a weird thing. But you know, it's uh, to me like you did a damn damn my enjoyment of it. It's like okay, but I, I think a lot of people are going to be sharing uh, clips, videos, screenshots of like a lot of the mini games in this game because they're they're a riot. So I, I really like that aspect of the game, and I think people will too. Um, and you know, I think it's just. All around, it feels way better than the first game. It's just such a big improvement overall, and I'm really excited to chat with more people that you know uh, uh, get their hands on it and uh, give me updates uh, as they're going through with it. Because it's a it's it's a it's a lot uh, it's a lot of game to process, um, both narrative and both just like general video game content wise too. And you know, we've only really scratched the surface here, but you know, hopefully, it was enough to for people to you know kind of think about as they're uh, either ramping up for the early access or the or the base release. I think early access is like the twenty first, and then what was the like real I game version? Early access, I thought it was the twentieth because it was four days before. Full game comes oh, yeah. out the twenty fourth. Okay, but I've seen twentieth and twenty first. Um, I think twenty first, maybe that's european time but i'm not entirely sure but i'm really looking forward to this 
Uh, I guess the worst thing that might come from this, though, is if this game is good and those rumors about uh, uh, Nagoshi and all that leaving, uh, you know, how things are changing in RGG. It's like, oh, this is great. Oh, and Nagoshi's gone. Okay, cool. I, I, I do wonder if Nagoshi is gone and then they can continue. Obviously, the Yakuza mainline series and who knows if Judgment gets a sequel or not, depending on the talent oh. agency. Johnny okay, is yeah, that that too. too. Yeah. There's so much against like the development side of this game. But yeah, it seems like it came together in the end, which is also double crazy because I'm, with the way RGG works, you know, they make these games in like a year to max. Um, so it seems like they probably developed this mostly during the pandemic. Oh, yeah, I imagine. I imagine so. And then it's even more miraculous that they got a worldwide simultaneous release for this. It is the first RGG studio game that has that, I think. Um, I guess it sounds like we're wrapping up. I'm not really sure, but I was just going to say, so like they announced that they weren't able to put as much time into making the mouth animations match the English. I mean, did you play in English or Japanese for the voice? I I played in Japanese. I usually play these in. So I'm I'm curious to see from people like who play the English and see like uh, how much, if if that bothers them or not, like if it's significant enough or not. I will, I'm going to be playing in English. So I will, I will let you know. Cool. Yeah, I, I really, I'm really curious about that. I, I just, I don't want to go back and like, and like, put turn on English and then like watch cinematics and see like, all <laughs> right, let's see these lips. <laughs> You're like hyper focused <laughs> on their faces. Yeah, but, but yeah, I was saying earlier, like, I'd be really curious to see if the negotiate rumors are true because, I, if I, presumably they would still continue these because these guys are profitable uh, outside of like you know if see if judgment continues or not with the whole talent agency and all. But I wonder like. If there's no negotiate involvement, like what do the games look like? I just want to see what I can. Uh, one of these games with no negotiate involvement, what well, what that looks like, you know, and that's really fascinating to me. Like how much, how much of was, how much did he influence the the overall direction of the game, like the feel and just the atmosphere and like and everything, you know. It's it's a really interesting case study. I'm I'm really looking forward to playing it. Uh, hopefully, that will be on Monday. Yeah, I'm rooting for. It. I really, I can't wait to like. We'll have to DM each other a lot and see. Let's, you uh, will certainly be bothered by me heavily. I can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> I want to. Yeah, I want to know. It's kind of weird because like I'm so used to like release or near release day embargoes that whenever we're talking about a game on this podcast, that is like anyone can be playing it as they listen to this. But for for Lost Judgment, it's kind of like we have to. We, you know, in a week from our recording, this is when most people who haven't pre-ordered will be able to play this. So this uh, is yeah. completely unrelated. But do you remember what the embargo was for Yakuza Six? No, it was a month ahead of release. Oh yeah, oh, embargo. Oh. Yeah, that was so weird. Like I it was literally that, one yeah. whole month ahead of release, and it's like that seems kind of weird. Like people are going to read the reviews and then they're going to kind of like forget about it. <laughs> yeah, it was just weird. Well, on the opposite end of that, I'm going to use that to segue into the next game we're going to be talking about. Uh, and this is something that we've talked about on the podcast like years ago, back on the old rendition of the podcast, because we had a couple people on site that were really big fans of Toby Fox and Undertale, followed by Deltarune, which came out chapter one in 2018. And people have been waiting for you know more news on the, the follow up Deltarune chapters for years now. Uh and this week, we got the surprise kind of release, surprise drop of Deltarune Chapter 2. And it came out yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So uh, 
I'm going to hand this over now to Jess, who has put some time into Deltarune Chapter 2, and I'm not sure if anyone else here also has. Be Feel free to chime in if you have, or, so if, you, or if you've played I, Chapter 1. So I, I wanted to say that, um, I, 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 Jess, I doubt you're going to like spoil it, but I kind of want to go in knowing nothing, because I still have to catch up with the first one. So I might tab out for this, if that's okay. R- right. Yeah, Obviously, I, you'll have to sure. um, I mean, I was going to try not to give much on the first one either, just in case people haven't played it but like if you want to like i guess i'm not sure what counts as a spoiler too much but i'm not saying it's any everything. specific events i, I trust oh, you yeah. everything okay no it, it also kind of works out because i think i have to go get some laundry but it's i'm not doing it out of disrespect i just don't want to know anything about deltarune because oh, deltarune you you spoiled that oh my god i didn't know, the title I know i'm sorry there's there's a second chapter um but uh because i got super spoiled with undertale to the point where it ruined oh. my experience oh yeah so i want to i'm i've been dodging it like crazy okay, but we, we, yeah we can we can always uh like let you know in the in the the discord yeah all right for so for listeners we will obviously timestamp this jess i trust her to avoid talking about explicit spoilers but if you want to hear absolutely nothing you can follow the timestamps to get to the next section if you'd like but yeah feel feel yeah the, Go for it, Jess. Uh, the stage is yours. Don't don't feel too pressured for these people. It's like, oh, no, I don't want to hear anything. It's like, the stage is yours. Talk about what you want to talk about. All right, gotcha. Um, I feel like, honestly, I haven't even made it that far to, like, reach anything, like, totally, like, t- like you know, like, really twisted, revealing kind of thing. It's just like, you know, um, chapter one did leave off with a cliffhanger, but um, you find out what happens afterwards and go back to the... Um, and then you go back into the dark realm where you left chapter one. And um, there's a couple more gameplay elements that they add in. Uh, so just for a recap, so there's some, there's uh, three people that you mainly play as, which is Chris, the protagonist, um, Ralse, who is the basically the Prince of Light <laughs> kind of person that lives in the other world. And then Susie, who is um, uh, Chris's classmate. and the person that they um that they visited the world with originally. So those are the three that you can play as in this turn-based combat um RPG-ish game. Um, let's see. There's um basically when you go back, there's a there's a different things like you need to recruit monsters. So now if you spare them. You can add them to your town, basically, which is the um, the realm that you visit. So that's like one of the other things where they're saying like you should spare the monsters instead of just kill them. Can't quite say what happens if you kill them because personally, I don't like I'm I haven't done that yet. But well, maybe Your there's something that best. happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there is some apparently some differences if you load. The original save file from chapter one versus starting chapter two immediately. Uh, like there is like you don't need to play chapter one actually to play chapter two. You could start with a completely empty file. Uh, that's that's interesting. To. Like I I would assume that like you know you'd want to play chapter two right after chapter one because obviously just the chapter structure. But is is that would would people still appreciate chapter two without having touched chapter one? You think? I think you really should play chapter one. My guess is that um, it's for people who played the console versions, but didn't play it on PC, so oh, they don't have yeah. to save file on PC. Yeah, this, this is only for PC right now, right? I think. 
Correct. The chapter two. Okay. Did they did they announce a release date for the console release or not yet? I don't think so. Um, I actually did play through chapter one on my PC because I was like, oh dang, I forgot that you can't actually like I played it on the Switch, so I okay. couldn't really get the save file onto my PC. But honestly, it kind of helped for refreshing my memory because there's like all this lore on the kingdom that they're exploring and what happened in the first place to get them there. Okay. So. So the way that um, Toby Fox uh, described this was you can play chapter two without save data from chapter one as long as you generally remember what happened story-wise. So it sounds like for in terms of story, you definitely want to play them in order, but like uh, the save data transfer is sort of, if you have it, that's good, especially if you uh, really want your, your choices to carry over, uh, but it's not necessary, which is a good compromise considering that people might having to be playing on a different platform where they don't have access to their save data or something like that. There's no there's no motion comic where you have to flip through it and make the crucial decisions from chapter one and then start chapter two. Yeah, I don't think there's anything like that. It's um I guess the the main thing I notice is that uh I mean I'm playing both just because I'm writing guides in it just to see if there's a difference. There's some small Easter eggs that are a difference, but also um it is kind of inconvenient because you're I guess like if you start with an empty inventory, because for example, there's a place where you could fuse items. So you can make, um, it's kind of like a crafting thing where you, um, maybe you could put two dark burgers together and make like an entirely new item, you know, like super healing item or like stronger defense armor kind of thing. But because, um, and to save file with no extra items, it's like, dang, I need to go find some new items to fuse together, you know? Right. It seems like you're really kind of putting yourself in a disadvantage without having to carry over. Uh, kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, Mass Effect, uh, Pillars of Eternity does a similar thing where it's like, yeah, you don't have to have the save transfer, but sometimes you wonder if parts of the game are balanced around expecting some base some base level transfer uh, of items or experience or even like uh, narrative choices. And by the way, I, I was I, looking, uh, I was looking around it. to try to answer the question about consoles. So chapter one was available on consoles roughly three months after their PC release. So if it if it's parallel, then chapter two would be available on consoles like maybe by the end of the year but i guess there's no announced date yeah and i i guess uh the, uh there was a message from uh toby fox as well like uh talking about the future releases of delta rune where you know the the chapter two was free because his, his words were like you know everyone's going through a tough time right now like in you know the state of the world understandably which is not very nice of him to release chapter two for free for everyone um, but I think chapter three to five is they're going to be paid, like you have yeah. to pay for them. And I, I, I forgot it. If you please double check me on this, that like he said that uh, they'll be available all at the same time. The, the future chapters, if I, if I remember reading correctly. I read that secondhand, so. Yeah, I'd have to like double check it. Let's see. Yeah, I'm not quite sure about that, but. Um, I did notice when I started chapter two, there's also like a, um, I guess there's a chapter select menu and there were multiple chapters that look, so it looked like there was like many more to come. I didn't realize that perhaps they would all come at once. The chapter two is actually three years. It's like, because it was, the first one came out in 2018. Um, that was also when he made the call for new, for like a, to build a team to help him with Delta Room. So um, I'm not sure how that affects progress. Like maybe. Um, they're chuggling along quite fine, but um, who knows when all of them will come out then, <laughs> if it's taken this long for Chapter 2. 
Here, I found the comment from uh, Toby. He said, originally he had planned to release all the chapters only when they were finished. But honestly, it's been hard for creators and fans who have such a long time without a release. So he changed his mind. Uh, his next goal is to complete chapters three, four, and five for next time. So sounds like like okay. it's, it's not a promise, but it's like his goal is to have all three as a paid kind of a paid release to to finish out the the intended scope of the game. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's like um, you know, there are some people that I know that said they don't want to play Delta Run at all because um, they want to only play it once it's complete so they can get through all the chapters at once. I guess well, we've, it's had, just we've, for we've heard that's actually of... me. Oh really? Yeah, we've oh, heard that sort of opinion. Like I, I played um, Undertale, and I'm interested in Delta Rune. It's like I'll just play it when it all comes out. I'm in no hurry. I feel the same way. Well, we've heard kind of that opinion on a lot of these episodic releases where people will just rather wait for them to come out, and then we we've seen with like. The two that come to mind are like Hitman and Life is Strange True Colors, where eventually they kind of drop the episodic thing, uh, which I don't know. It just kind of depends on how you your disposition and how you like to enjoy your games, whether you're if you want to know everything and be up to date and you're like playing the chapters as they release or if you more want to just have one single experience with the game. So you just wait for all of them. Just kind of depends on your on your preference. I, I, I forgot, Jess, how long was the first Delta Rune chapter? Oh, it took me like five hours. It really didn't take that long. Um, okay. I think people play through it faster too. It's just like I like to wander around and like right. you know double read items and things like that. And um, are do you get a sense that like the chapter two is longer or rough, roughly the same? Like I know you're not done with it, but do you? What do you think? I think it's about the same because okay. um, I am working with other people who have already finished one playthrough, so I'm like, all right, it's. Took them a couple, like last night, basically. Okay. Uh, is it is it weird to you that like do you still have like the same attachment to these characters? Like that, like do you still like hold like fond memories of like these characters, even though it's been so much time since the first one? Or did you like do a replay, or are you doing a replay of the first one? Uh, oh, I did to... do a replay. It's like um, I guess I like I still I guess um I don't feel overly attached but i have enough attachment to them that i'm entertained by them right so you know like little cheeky responses here and there um from your teacher and like all these other things that still amuse me even though um i guess i'm not as attached to them as i was to um, undertale after playing because like well to be fair delta ruin is um different it's episodic and not finished so yeah yeah how long was i Undertale took me like ten hours, honestly. Uh, yeah, two, ten. <laughs> did two playthroughs. So the Delta Rune in, in total, in totality, will will be a much larger scope once it's all done. I believe so. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. They, he already said that like the the final release of Delta Rune is going to cost more than Undertale, so it'll uh, probably go, to reflect that as well. So I guess it would take as much as a, I guess like as long as a AAA RPG then. Like uh, at least 30 hours. Well, we actually had a discussion last week where we talked about how uh, some RPGs are 25 hours and that's brief. Some RPGs uh, are 60 and like depending on the series that could be brief or long. And then some RPGs are 100 hour monsters. So uh, there is no average or I guess there is an average, but it's going to have a, a wide distribution depending on what type of game it is. So 
Yeah, I'm like, sure. I'm like, I'm like 20 hours to arise right now. I finally got my my full party. It's like, oh, I guess I'm starting the game now for real this time. This is uh, the, the the classic. Now oh, this is when the the game gets good. 20 hours in. So I have a I have, oh, yeah. a, I have a tangent, but like I'm still playing through Pathfinder. I'm not going to talk about it on this podcast other than this comment. I'm uh, I am 33 hours in. I finished like chapter two of six. And then I see on my Steam sidebar, it says, friends who have played recently, someone, 107 hours played. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Hell <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. Some, uh, we're halfway through. <laughs> yeah, some of these games are just monsters. So uh, a 25-hour total RPG, uh, I should play more of those. Yeah. Do you, do, you wanna, do you have anything more to add for Deltarune Chapter 2 for now, Jess? Particular. It's more of the same. Um, gameplay is... It's more sim- it's similar to them. Um, well, it's the same as the uh, chapter one. There's more, I guess, shops that you could visit. And like I said, with the using item shop, um, kind of like a bakery thing. There's a place where you could inter- like a, interact with your recruits, like the townspeople, as you recruit them to your town. Um, there's like a little training place where there's challenges you can complete. Um, you know, just for funsies, I guess. There are rewards, but like... Um, I guess it was they're just for fun. I don't think you need to complete them to move on with a story or anything. But are those are those kind of new to chapter two, the recruiting thing and all that? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's kind right. of cool. That's cool that they're kinda of like changing up the formula and adding little different uh I say uh, like I mean you can <laughs> like you can still only play as the three characters I mentioned, but uh for recruiting it's just like I guess like to fill in the town. Just so it's like when you spare characters while you're fighting them, they go to your town. Uh, here, here's do the characters. Go do they it. do anything once you recruit them? Like, like open a new I think shop. It's just to or... talk to them. So far, okay. at least. Hey, that's enough. Sometimes you just want to like hear about the story and world building and things like that. Though know, like, my, my mind immediately goes to like, man, I miss Dark Cloud. Yeah, I'm thinking sweep it in. Not, not the golf game in Dark Cloud too. Yeah, for those who don't understand, uh, Dark Cloud and Two have a big town building aspect where you like rescue people and buildings and items, and you kind of you kind of like reconfigure the town from them. So that's what this uh, recruiting from Delta I, I mean, just reminded me you of. You know where it's all leading up to, right? Like in the final chapter of this game, you're gonna have to do something with that town. Ta- uh, that town. It's like, oh, do you have to? You're now gonna sacrifice all the people you recruited to some god or something to get the true ending. Who knows? I don't know. Oh God, I hope not. I figure it's like <laughs> suddenly they're just like a. You know, it's like one of those town sacrifice things from like like Higurashi or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh man. Now that I said it, uh, oh, I might have spoiled the final chapter. All right. The big the big question, Jess. When do you think? What year do you think Delta Rune will be done? Uh, I don't know. It'd be great if it came out before I was thirty. <laughs> So we're not going to ask how long that would be, but uh, I'm, I'm just going to guess based on three years for chapter two, uh, we just use math nine years from now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, no, I think it will. Because the thing is, like, I'm, I'm not sure if they really, um, like, I'm kind of confused about if they aren't done with all those chapters yet. Because, like, maybe they just released chapter two because it was like a, because they felt like it. Like, maybe they have more done, but they just... Yeah, I mean, like, you're, you're uh, well, almost certainly correct. I was just being glib. But uh, yeah, I'm guessing they've oh, made okay. significant progress in the other three, but they, they kind of just wanted to give the fans something. So chapter two was ready and polished up, and here it is. So hopefully it'll only be a year or two for the for the remaining three. 
Yeah. Uh, fast forward to 2030. So, Rune, pretty cool, huh? Remember that? Still not done. Oh, boy. Well, either way, um, I would still, like, if I'm, I understand people, like, not playing it if they don't want to yet, but so far, so good. I think it still has, you know, they, there's the humor from Undertale, and the mechanics are interesting it still has the bullet hell aspect where you need to dodge um any pr enemy projectiles and such so i think it's a i mean it's even meant for people who played undertale so um recommend asset right now but understandable if you don't want to um play it until the full thing is out we do have another release that i think kind of went under my radar until uh Actually, Josh brought it up to me. And this is a game that we did talk about on a previous podcast as a news post when it was first announced. Uh, and that was Castlevania Grimoire of Souls. So I'm going to hope I get this. back, baby. Yeah, it's not good. I, I just so, got Isekai back from uh, the Hell Dimension. All right, cool. Welcome back. What, what I missed. Uh, we learned all about Deltarune. And every yeah, we saw Deltarune. Yeah. Awesome. We, we actually, actually know how Deltarune ends now, thanks to Jess. Oh, cool. I'm glad I left. <laughs> All right. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to like clear the cobwebs in my head. So this is the Castlevania game that originally released as a mobile gotcha game in like 2019. Got shut down, repurposed into an Apple Arcade gotcha stripped out real Castlevania game. I, I don't know how like judgmental that is. <laughs> so, Josh, uh, have you played this? I have played this. <laughs> All right. I am really excited now because I have Apple Arcade to play Fantasia, which I have not done yet, and I'm still paying for it. So, Josh, sell me on why I should keep my Apple Arcade subscription. Ooh, I don't know. This is a hard sell, man. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I, I trust you. Konami's right. doing nothing but bangers lately. Mm. Uh, Alucard is back, baby. I love yeah. Alucard. Yeah. Who doesn't love Alucard? All right. I'm literally, yeah. I have my my mouse over buying another Apple TV. I'm just waiting for the big sell. Castlevania Grimoire of Souls. Um, this right. is this is a side-scrolling Castlevania where you uh, complete stages and uh, try to complete the challenges for them. You st initially start out with Alucard. Uh, my credit card numbers in. All right. Uh -huh. So it it has like your basic mechanics and like he has the 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 basic attacks the fun thing about this is like the th these are brief stages not like an overworld map or whatever like how most castlevanias are when you're like unlocking parts of the castle like these are like stage one one stage one two and whatnot and they're like brief like you know five ten minute stages uh, where you go through enemies and uh, fight a boss you try you find treasure chests. sometimes you'll find treasure chests at the walls it's not meat it's treasure chests. which is i don't know about that um and the the fun thing that really caught me off guard was this game has an auto attack where you can manually attack with a square button using a dual shock four, but if you're like close enough to enemies, it'll just automatic automatically attack on its own. Um, you can so play the game for you then. I mean, it, but you need you to, to manually use your skills. So yeah, you have these uh, skills. Like for Alucard, he has like three different skills, and you can only equip one of them at a time. Like you can uh, do your bat move, or like you know you know charge through uh, as a bat. You have your mist form, and then you have the other ones like a like a wolf form, I think. Now, is there only auto attack? Uh, I mean, you have your uh, slide attack, um, where it, you slide. You have a dash, and then you have your 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 um, character skill, and then you also have um, 
like items that like you can uh that can drop from stages like say like a holy water uh and whatnot and then you also have like uh like character specific skills like alucard has like um like a overhead swing and like a and like a projectile slash uh, attack um i don't side- know this isn't sounding like that good of a sell at all i'm <laughs> thinking i shouldn't i shouldn't buy this second oh, here. all right TV. Uh, and then and then uh everyone thought oh they're just stripping out the gotcha right uh this game still has a gotcha uh, oh, fuck. Well, I shouldn't be. Oh, oh fuck! I bought. I I hit the order button. All right. Well, that that. there you go. That's now, how, now you're how ready. To, now you're ready to have six different save files to re-roll. It's okay. Can... I have multiple screens, so I can play <laughs> Castlevania Grimoire Souls on all of them. Ooh. Okay. I'm... So you know, I'm gonna embrace the the life, the gotcha life. But anyway, so yeah. I, I'm looking at videos of this. Uh-huh. Kind of looks like shit, but uh-huh. also kind of doesn't. I don't know how um, to describe this. Uh, okay, so th- since it's an app arcade, uh, there's no microtransactions for the gacha currency. You get them through like completing challenges at stage, like defeating all enemies, find all the treasure chests, find the sealed treasure chest, and whatnot. And you're not gaching for the characters. You get them as you progress through the story. So, you know, I, I tried this out for me two, two and a half hours. I'm like, I'm never touching this again. But by that, I like unlocked Maria. You know, I got Simon and I got Maria. And you know you equip them with like their different like weapons, like they have elements. So of course you have elemental affinities. Like you want to go to this stage or this element of weapon because you'll do more damage to the enemies. And then you can have like a sub weapon to bump up your stats. You have like an equi- you have equipment that you can unlock. Uh, well, for those you you gotcha for the equipment, and uh, so there'll be different weapons, um, different equipment, and then you can upgrade those. Uh, this game also has a login bonus. So you know, uh, 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 so I, I just yeah. so I, read, so I, I was poking around some of the official websites and some other uh, news coverage of this game, and I read two things that just kind of make me like uh-huh. I don't know wince yeah. or chuckle. One of them is like the marketing, where it's like a true action game, Grimoire of Souls, oh, yeah. a fully fledged side-scrolling action game. Like they're really trying to sell like that. It's the thing that really caught me off guard was like I did like maybe. Uh, let's see. I went through stage one, four, and then I think I got to like the third like set of stages, and then like I was like, okay, let me go boot up my save file again, just to, like you know, I wanted to see something, and then like it said like sixteen percent complete. I'm like, wait, that's I'm already sixteen percent, and I barely freaking touched this. this game. Well, here, here's the other thing. Right. Maybe wins. So the app store mentions sixty levels, a wide variety of equipment, and here's the kicker: daily and weekly missions. And I'm like, God, yeah, like, oh, no. yeah, yeah. yeah. Weird really? because, like, I, I've played like online MMOs and similar sorts of games that have those, but it just it just seems so weird to read that underneath a Castlevania game, like. Oh, what? I think the icing on the cake of this is that if you're like, because I'm watching gameplay of this now, they just fucking reused those old Symphony of the Night portraits. That's uh, wait, are they? The yeah, so they, they, yeah. Like they, you can clearly tell, like there's like no artistic like consistency between the characters. No. Like, like, shameless like like you just have like like this old art like simon when he when he joins up and it's like all right hi simon (laughs) y'all cherry rugged um it's it's really funny i guess um i I think the the like the the sad part about this is like 
you can clearly tell that they have new arrangements of Castlevania music in it, but they all sound bad and flat as well. Oh, it's just like what wh- you can at least reuse the music if you're reusing the art assets of the Look, base case, at least reuse those arrangements too. <laughs> I would honestly argue that the era of Konami we're in right now is way worse than the era of Konami a while back. Because, like, everyone likes to be like, oh, when Konami was, like, super evil, they were the worst. But, like, this is Konami, like, kind of, like, barely trying. And it's just, it's pathetic. You'd rather rather go back to zero. I'd rather have nothing. (laughs) Yeah, I would rather have no effort, just be an evil mega corporation. Like, this is, just don't even. I I take it you're not an Eden Zero fan? A what? <laughs> what did you call him? What 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 did you just say to me? Uh, if, if just for context, Konami of all places is making an Eden Zero game RPG, which is a it's a it's like the not fairy tale fairy tale manga. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you say a game, a we should probably game. say. Oh, wait, is it actually? I thought it was a mobile game. There's, There's a, a mobile game. and a console game. Yeah, Konami's console. going all in. Da 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 da. So, wow. I guess to wrap up the the this hot new Castlevania game, um, this is the type of game where you want to quote unquote main a character because you're gonna have to do hours and hours of to- uh, upon grinding of like uh, going through stages and like getting equipment you want. There's also like kind of like the skip ticket system uh like in uh mobile gacha games where you can kind of do farming that way too but to do that you have to like complete the challenges at a stage and like some of these challenges are really stupid like if you like missed like a single bat in a stage it's like oh you didn't get the challenge for defeat all enemies idiot it's like okay or like you have to go find all the hidden treasure or you have to beat it in the time limit and then um and then you, have to, you basically just have to like grind for equipment if like if you want to go like the route of like not relying on the gacha uh, for it, like there are ways to like kind of grind endlessly if you really if you really want to do that to yourself, um, and it's just. I'm gonna be honest. Some of this sounds like just simply at odds with like side scroller RPG, Metroidvania philosophy, just like game design. Just like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I really okay. I'm say, I was about to say I'm I'm well. I'm really looking forward to that rumored Castlevania collection now, but. Then I'm like, how are they gonna fuck it up? Uh, I hope they don't. There's some good games in that advanced collection. I really like Portrait of Ruin. I oh wait, is Portrait of Ruin? No, that's yes, yes. I'm I'm thinking yeah, of no, no. the movie. James I mean, and I were talking, and James is pretty strong about Aria being like the best one. And I haven't played that one. I played Symphony and was like, wow, this is the best uh Metroid yeah, Aria, I've I ever played. And yeah, then so, I did not finish one until ten years later. Yeah, last year I went through like four Castlevania games like back to back. So I played Symphony and then the GBA trilogy. And uh, I am confident that Arya is the best of them. Yeah, I was thinking of Arya. Arya is the one that I really like out of that. Does it have good bosses? Yes. Okay, that's impressive because I I love Symphony to death. Those bosses are trash. Yeah, yeah. Arya has better bosses. Just to lay them out, the the advanced trilogy is Circle of the Moon. Harmony of Dissonance and Aria of Sorrow. Yep. And that showed up on a ratings board. Harmony of Dissonance would be a good game if it had better level design and a soundtrack that wasn't just using the original Game Boy sound chip. 
Yeah, I, I think the standouts of that collection are Circle and Aria for sure. I'd probably get it just for Aria. So hopefully, you know, if that's true, they don't um, mess that up. But yeah, that's uh, that's your hot Castlevania uh, update. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are really clamoring for it and like, all right, I'm here to live, deliver the goods. All right, we do mm-hmm. have one other topic that we wanted to talk about. Uh, a new RPG release of sorts, and that is Nino Kunu 2 did just, uh, either just or is just about to release on I Nintendo Switch. Came out yesterday as well. Uh, so sorry, Deltarune. You know, you probably shouldn't have come out alongside the the king of all RPGs, Nino Kuni 2. Too busy right. being president of the United States. All right, all right. So I am going to spoil the first 30 minutes, if that's a big deal. <laughs> we thought this exactly but I want to hear it in your words. So this is yeah, definitely... All right. <laughs> all right. So now I don't consider this a spoiler per se, but, you know, just in case... So I'm just going to tell you what happens because I have no idea how I went. When did this game come out? Like uh, three or four years ago? 17, I want to say. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I'm. Oh, that was so long ago because I remember <laughs> I worked the launch at GameStop. Uh, thank God I never have to work retail again in my life. But OK, so I, it's funny because on the dock, I have been given much less time Wait, never than mind. all of the other ones. Hmm? Sorry. I think it wasn't 2017. I think it was 2018. That sounds about right, because 2018 was a pretty unmemorable year for games. And yeah, but OK, so I've been told that the best part of Nino Kuni 2 is the beginning. Uh, I enjoy the game. Uh, by the time this goes uh, goes out, you can actually read my uh, piece on the Switch port because I've been playing that uh, for a couple of days now. But OK, so the beginning of this game is probably the most batshit thing i've ever seen in an rpg and i kind of love how earnestly it doesn't give a shit about what the fuck is happening in this game so you the game opens up you are this old ass president dude in your limo and you're driving to unnamed american city and then within the first i want to say 10 to 20 seconds it hard cuts to a nuclear missile going directly towards the city it hits killing what has to be millions or billions of people the the explosion ripples to the president's car somehow he lives and as he's like i guess dying the magic sparkles surround him and then he is instantly isekai'd to this weird <laughs> cat fantasy world. I guess the world of Nino Kuni. Wow, this is better than getting hit by a truck. Fair enough. But it is so. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I mean, it's a better way to. It's like a cooler way to die, I guess. <laughs> but like, it is so strange. Because after, like, because I would imagine, okay, so did he lose all of his memory? Like, what's going on with this? I don't really know. That was a very bold way to start your RPG. So the first thing, the president, because the president, rated gets, team, by the way, hmm? rated teen, by the way, I think, yeah, rated teen begins with millions dying. <laughs> it and then he just shows up in this like the the Evan who is unfortunately the protagonist when it really should have been Mr. President dude, because it's way more interesting. 
Agreed. He just kind of appears in his bedroom <laughs> and Evan's freaking out. But I, I literally forgot his name. What is it? Donovan? D- Derek? Rolling. Let's call him Derek. No, let's call him Derek. So Derek shows <laughs> okay. up in Evan's room. Evan's justifiably freaking out because this man in a business suit just showed up in his room. And then he just starts like Derek stone faced, literally no change. He's like, ah, this is weird. Just walks outside of the room. And then there's like a a coup happening with Evan. So they start trying to kill Evan. And as like the little rat goblin knights are about to kill the, the prince king, whatever you just see one of them get shot and Derek has a gun full on a Glock just starts shooting. And he's like, ah, maybe I shouldn't have like showed trigger discipline or something. And he just picks up a sword and starts murdering people. And I'm like, this is the greatest game I've ever played. So I just want to let you know that I've been like grinning from ear to ear like an idiot through this whole recollection. We've actually talked about this on the podcast before, but that doesn't make this any less like it, what the this shit? sounds so random. If you tell it's me this so is Nino Cooney, I would never believe it. I love hearing everyone's everyone's version of this, like the like like everyone's words about like their their, their version of like what happens, right? Because like everybody explains it a little bit differently. It's always yeah. funny. I missed a, I missed the step where between him pulling out a gun and killing like killing living sentient creatures just instantly like he goes outside of Evan's room and just starts going on his smartphone he just starts he just oh oh I guess I don't have signal oh well and he just like just moves on literally me obviously so so what i'm doing right now is i'm watching the original trailer uh for the characters for roland who is who you've called derek but his name is roland they just so like blase like traveler from another world must help the king and it's just like oh by the way he just witnessed a nuclear explosion Like, no, that's the thing, though. I had my expectations super low because I played a little bit of Nino Kuni 1. And I was like, this is fine. Honestly, I couldn't get more in more than like an hour. I was like, eh, it's whatever. But Nino Kuni 2 is such a massive improvement and like just mm. nonsense that. Well, let me let, let me speak, James. Is I'm saying Nino Kuni 2 with that opening grabs you so much harder than the traditional. There's this little little boy, and he's kind of like he's got a sick mom, and he's about to go on a crazy adventure, and it's gonna get a little sad. And this is just like nuclear explosion. Derek's got the Glock. Crazy stuff happening. Some girl just died. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Moving on. Like, yeah, I, I will agree. For the first half hour of Nino Kuni Two is better than Nino Kuni One. I will agree with you there. <laughs> like, I, I, and I will say, the game drops right after that in terms of quality (laughs) it's not as interesting but there are so many like i gotta say though i'm digging it i'm digging it a lot uh that's good the the combat is kind of good like really good i if someone were to you know if derek glock to my head say what's good about the combat i wouldn't have a lot to say but it feels the combat well, the, that, that's the thing. That's the funny thing is he literally just that's a he 
he has his gun and he can just use it whenever he wants. It's great. Um, I was disappointed though. I really feel like they should have like made it a consistent thing that he was the only person with a gun because there are other guns you can get, but they are all like classic, like ye old guns. But still, yeah. it's so funny. I just I find it hilarious that it's like, okay, so he has a Glock. He can use it in combat. It's like, where the hell is he, is he getting all the bullets? Magic. Uh, magic. No, yeah, they explain that, actually. They literally explain that. Um, because anything you equipped on a little bracelet, what uh, it'll on- instantly be refilled. So it's just magic. Uh, oh, I which, forgot about that. I thought that was a neat little detail. I also think it's funny that this world has their own version of like social media. Well, um, I forgot it, that was a thing. This, oh my god! Yeah, I it, forgot. Uh, I yeah, forgot so it, much about the game. It's, but it was back in the, the era where they like they still do this sometimes where like there's this. It's it's like a memories log or you know like a story log of here's what's happened and it's all in like a Facebook style yeah like, and um it's all in Derek's perspective yeah which is which is interesting um, right Kingdom Hearts three did that too <laughs> like it is so funny um if you've ever seen any of those fucking like Sigma male memes on Twitter that's literally Roland it is so <laughs> just like it's so stupid and I'm having so much fun because the game kind of knows it's dumb. And it's just, it doesn't care. It is, it's weirdly earnest. It's just like, we're telling the story. It's whatever. It's, but it's just, it's enjoyable. And like, after playing, because I've been playing a lot of like trails and stuff and like games that kind of take themselves too serious. uh, Or like where you can tell that the writers think that they're like the, the hottest shit ever but you're kind of like, eh, this isn't going to be a trail shit cast. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I, every once in a while, I really enjoy playing a game that just doesn't take itself entirely seriously. Like it knows when to, but anytime it is not, this is the set emotional part of the beat where, oh, character, death, blah. It's just kind of like the in-betweens or just whatever. They're not like, if you were to look at this in like a very critical lens, Nino Kuni 2 is not great, but the port is surprisingly great. Uh, it? It's not, yeah. Um, my 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 pieces. Uh, we'll kind of go into that a bit more. I was not expecting much. I'll be honest, Th- because for Nino Kuni one on Switch, they just ported the PS3 version. Like oh, yeah, they, right. and it that it looks good. It plays good. It's great. But Nino Kuni two was a PS4 and PC, PC release. Yeah. Like it was a. But let's let's not kid ourselves here. The Switch is an underpowered piece of hardware. I love my no Switch way. to death, but most of the time when PS4 games are ported to Switch, it's not good. <laughs> there have been some pretty tremendous exceptions. Dragon Quest XI uh, S is a like that port should nowhere near be as good as it is. Uh, but. Honestly, I think Bandai's kind of been doing pretty well with Switch ports lately. Uh, I, I I don't follow them heavily, um, but I'm trying to you think. Have... Of, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of the ones that don't do Switch ports great. I think like Compile Heart uh, is usually. Oh, like, you know, oh, oh you're, you're you're right. Oh, uh-huh. their their games. Ha- there are no reason those games should not run well because they all look like they all look bad anyway. 
it is impressive how bad those games run. I really feel like they were trying to, they're like, well, we, we hit our heyday in the Vita era. So let's make all of our switch ports run like Vita ports. Uh, but that's an insult to the Vita ports that they did. Cause somehow they, those ran decently. I don't remember that, but also I don't play, uh, I don't like playing their games. Uh, like the Dragon Star Varnier uh, port is trash. Uh, all the Neptunia ports are trash. Like it's they're oh not good, not good at all. Um, so my my bar was kind of low. Uh, I've been also playing like uh, I I wish I had been on the podcast when it came out so I could have talked about it more. But uh, no no more heroes three was one I played recently and I love that game. Uh, had to take some cuts to the visuals to focus on resolution i mean to focus on uh frame rate Uh and so what usually when you're playing a switch game like a switch port specifically but it kind of affects like games in general is okay developers usually have to pick between resolution and frame rate and it's like a it's like a scale and you're trying to get somewhere, hopefully in the middle, have it be a maybe a bit closer to frame rate because you don't want the frame rate to be too bad. But this one is kind of aiming for the middle. The frame rate is not perfect. It's a lot more solid if you're playing on docked, but I play on my light primarily because I, a comfy bed, you know. But I, I was impressed. The visuals look pretty, pretty solid the uh like it's not perfect the shadow quality is a bit low shadows are blocky uh models can also be a bit blocky but it it made sure to keep the uh the ghibli-esque aesthetic they're trying to go for with these and it runs well enough the only time it really gets bad is when you're going to the open world and then it drops to 15 if you're playing undocked it's pretty bad but like I, 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 there's like three, weird, some, there's like three flavors of switch ports i think there's like there's the switch ports that make the smart compromises to do what they need to to be an enjoyable experience which it sounds like that's what nino kuni mostly does then there's the switch ports that are just uh kind of like terrible all around there's no reason to to consider them like i was looking around and like i forgot like mortal kombat 11 came to switch and stuff like that or like sniper elite the, the pinnacle of those is um has anyone played blair witch no, no, nope. uh, play it on the switch. It's the worst version by a mile of an already yeah. bad game. And then the uh, last genre of switch port is kind of like, I, I admire the fact that they did this, but I would never want to play it that way. And I'm thinking like Witcher three or like outer worlds where it's like, oh, I, yeah. I don't know how you managed it, but I don't ever want to play it that way. <laughs> Very funny for you to say that because the only uh, versions of both of those games that I have played were on Switch. Well, that's why they do it. So that's exactly yep. why they do it. Uh, I'm, I'm, but... just thinking, like, I'm just thinking that uh, I remember when the Steam Deck was unveiled, like one of their like test game footage was Nino Kuni 2 randomly. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but it is solid. There are certainly like it, when you're talking about Switch ports, there is always the thing that like there's the argument to be made. It's like, well, if I if I don't want like any compromises, I'm just going to go play it elsewhere. And it's like, yeah, of course, if you're looking for performance, you're not going on switch. So reviewing a switch port is always interesting. I try to keep those compromises in mind 
I have a set expectation for Switch games, and it's like, okay, can I play it? The frame rates will happen, but are they bad enough to truly take me out of the experience? Like, for what it's worth, I say that Neo The World Ends With You is a pretty solid Switch port. Like, it is frame rate drops in battles, but the speed is maintained. I can live with the compromises. And while I don't think Nino Kuni 2 is an exceptional Switch port, it's it's fine. Better than I expected. Like, honestly, I did not expect this game to run well on Switch. Straight up. And the reason why I think they got it running as good as it was is because they hit up engine software to do it. And has anyone he- is anyone here aware of engine software? Vaguely. I know they've heard of their Switch games. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they basically just do Switch ports. And honestly, you guys can cut me off at any point and I will not be mad. I'm sorry if I'm going over. I don't know how long I've, I've, I've been talking. But uh, it's they're really good at Switch conversions. They usually try the best they can with what they have. Uh, a lot of the times, if any of their releases, like they're not perfect, but usually you can kind of see if some of their releases don't work out, it's probably because the Switch hardware just couldn't do it or the original code was such a mess. East 9 on Switch. But there, I, I always look forward to their output. Uh, I th- If I remember correctly, they also were responsible for the PC port of Killer7. Uh, they did the ports for the No More Heroes games. They're 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 good like i i appreciate their work and a lot of my my piece is kind of just saying like yo engine did good job uh bandai namco keep giving them more I, I guess i guess they were also involved in some of the uh nice america efforts to put like east and kaseki on switch oh yeah yeah they um i don't think the uh i, I think that cold steel three and four i mean i didn't play cold steel four on switch not buying that game a second time i did i reviewed cold steel 3 on switch for us and besides uh crashes that never got patched it's okay that's really it Uh, so besides besides the things that you know completely shut off the the game you know oh yeah no that's the thing if if i could go back and rewrite that review i would not have given it a as high of a score as i did but we like as we're all writers we mm-hmm. kind we all have reviews we regret. I gave Steins Gate Zero and Zero Time Dilemma a ten out of ten when I reviewed them. Always Sorry. going to look. I'm I, I, I thank you. I'm never going to live that down. But because both those games are like sevens, but still. Anyway, like here's the thing. You know we all we all have those regrets. Mm-hmm. I would not have given that game an eight. Um, what I try to do now is when I recover stuff like this. Usually I have this optimistic mindset where I'll be like, oh, they'll patch out these, they'll patch and fix these. Like East 9 got a patch a month after it dropped on Switch. Barely fixed anything. But uh I I think but a lot of that kind of has to do with the fact that Falcom's not good at coding. <laughs> uh, they certainly try though. Uh, but they they did good with Nino Kuni 2. They did better than expected. Uh like if you're expecting a 60 fps experience just play on pc or ps4 but right, if you like want to go in with proper expectations exactly and i have a particular eye for switch ports i i'm fascinated with them i love playing them just to kind of observe if they could pull it off mm-hmm. uh and they did a admiral admirable job 
Yeah. And so it was a lot of times when we get these late ports, like, you know, Kuni 2 on Switch or often other Switch ports or sometimes late ports to PC the other way. A lot of times we don't get the chance to really make space for them because we're talking about like new releases. So, uh, no, uh, it was it was kind of nice kind of to revisit a, a 2018 game, you know, Kuni 2 in, a, in this context and talk a little bit about uh, Switch ports and the teams behind those ports and things like that. So more than happy to make space for it here. But uh, that's really that's really it for me. Uh, I'd, I'd love to come on and just talk about weird switch ports because it's kind of just all I, I, I just I'm fascinated by them. Like it's morbid curiosity every time one gets announced and you go, why is this coming to switch? Yeah, this shouldn't work. And then people like you say, well, that's how I played Witcher 3 or, or whatever. Like, oh, that's and why. that's like. Yeah, exactly. Where it's stuff like that. Honestly, it's really just current gen or even next gen games that just I'm always fascinated. It's like, why did you do this? Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick it out. But why did you do this? Twitch is the most seventh gen feeling eighth gen console without the, the way that games run. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very impressed. Like, and this is like, I, we can move on. Um, but like one of the things I'm really impressed with is Shin Megami Tensei five, because with honestly, I can get now why it took them so long to get that made is because I imagine it, a lot of it was getting the switch hardware to do what it needed. Well, what they wanted it to do. And from what we've seen, despite maybe some drops here and there, that game looks great. That has, it has like, a wonderful art direction and style that it wonderful art direction looks like it runs well it's like yeah obviously if it was on like pc or ps5 it would look even better of course but the fact that i can play like a hundred hour shin megami tensei game that looks that good in the comfort of my own bed on any little handheld and just take over that's so cool and but but, but the the steam deck they could i got a steam deck order this is i this is true but we're going to have to wait to see if it comes to Steam. Yeah. And I am not. We come down the line. And like, I know some people are like, oh, just wait to see if it gets ported. God bless you for having that patience. If a Shin Megami Tensei game is dropping, I'm playing that day zero. I'm not letting anybody spoil me, especially because this is like uh, before day zero, knowing Sega Atlas. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But um, like, there's been a thing with Shin Megami Tensei games where they've never had worldwide releases really. So usually I get spoiled on everything that happens like months before. So I'm so excited to drop into a Shin Megami Tensei game with no idea what to expect. So nice. Yeah, yeah it's really cool I- to see a lot of the uh we're still in a we're still in a paradigm where not everything is uh, day and date, east and west. So it's really cool to see like Lost Judgment and Shin Megami. It was really, it was really bizarre going to Lost Judgment. It's like, oh, this is like I've never played an RGG Studio game that's like actually never been like released anywhere else. This feels weird. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like same same boat. And I'm glad Sega is like focusing on that from now on. Uh, mm-hmm. I I imagine that SMT Five will do good enough, and the Persona games have done good enough where Atlas will probably try to do this as well. They are Imagine. really good part on marketing for SMT5, absurdly. 
which good apparently yeah. like at gamestop it's like the fifth most pre-ordered game they have wow there are a lot of games and as someone who worked that that's big that's, that's huge that's, that's stacking up to like they're the triple a titans but yes um i will stop talking now no, it was, it was really, I think we went, we touched on a lot of cool, like tangential topics, uh, all seated on the opening of Nino Kuni 2, which I will happily listen to the different recollections of anyone who experiences that because it is something. I have to YouTube it up. We, we should, com- we I should literally compile watching YouTube all of our, our recollections, like all of the recollections that have happened on the podcast and then just put them in one video. Well, we're up to two. So if we get one, oh, more, okay. we'll I around and find them. Yeah. Nah, we do have a couple features up on the site that we've uh, alluded to. At least we've alluded to one of them. So we talked a lot at the stop at the top of this podcast about Lost Judgment. Obviously, Josh has wrote up his full thoughts in the review up on the site. It's the top cover page right now. Uh, so you can go ahead and check that out to get his full detailed you know, critique of it. Uh, we do also have another review that went up on the site just yesterday or potentially the day before. Uh, as I like how we always say yesterday, like as of the time of recording. Uh, and that is for uh, Eastward. So um, this was the uh, Chucklefish uh, Pixpull game that has shown up in kind of several of the Steam Game Festival things uh, over the last several years. Kind of has that uh, sort of earthboundy, sort of Gravity Falls sort of uh, feel to it, at least based on the um, the art and animation. So uh, Paige was able to up, write up a, a really nice review on that and thought pretty highly of it. So uh, that is available now. It came out last week. And then the other feature up that's up on the site is kind of daisy chaining off a discussion that we had on the podcast last week about the new Forspoken trailer that launched with the um, the PlayStation event 2021, whatever they called it. Uh, and we all kind of had the takeaway that we weren't really feeling it, that we weren't exactly like sure that it was something we were interested in. And uh, Alex Donaldson basically kind of wrote up a, a long form version of that opinion, basically wondering, A, it's still not clear exactly like what you do in this game other than like hurl magic at enemies across a big open field. And then he also did touch on kind of the tonality of that trailer, just not really jiving with him, which is sort of two things that we talked about um on the podcast last week so we do have that feature up on the site and the two reviews for lost judgment and eastward so before we go into the uh the headlines of the week of which there's nothing really major but there's a, a number of things just to kind of rattle through uh i do believe that we have to say uh goodbye to jess who has another obligation to go to so uh thank you jess for hopping on to talk about delta rune chapter two yeah no problem it was fun yeah, and hopefully uh, we'll see you uh, next week or later down the line. Gotcha. Well, see you guys later. Nope, see you, Success. So there is, as I kind of talked about at the very start of the podcast, there really is no big major announcement for this week. A lot of it is kind of like, Tokyo Game Show, hurry up and get here already. Um, Kite actually put up a nice uh, article about the expected streams that we did, we want to see, or sorry, not want to see, we'll see from the different publishers about RPG and RPG adjacent games that we know will be at the show. So um, we did already kind of talk about what we expect to see from Square Enix, uh, which basically means no Final Fantasy 16 unless they really surprise us. And it didn't really, sh- it didn't show up in their list. So that would really be a curveball. Um, we've talked about uh, Katokawa Games' Relayer up on the podcast before. Uh, we do expect to see Aiden Chronicles. This is the kickstarted uh, Suikoden-like that we expect to see um, at the Tokyo Game Show. 
we do he does also call out project triangle strategy which i already brought up last week as kind of the, the biggest square enix project that i want to see out of the tokyo game show um shin megami tensei 5 will be there uh we'll see some of megaton musashi which is the uh robot the big fighting robot game from level five uh we expect to see there as well uh there's a few other things like that we've also talked about on this podcast like lineage w and blue reflection second light um the the new tales of mobile games and more genshin impact stuff so uh it'll be interesting to see like what all the um what all the fallout we end up getting out of that that showcase uh in two weeks from now about i imagine for sure so also ahead of Tokyo Game Show, there was a lot of, well, I won't say a lot, a very, a very pointed section of hype for this new Sega game where they announced that they were revealing a new RPG that was going to take place in a fantasy world with a strong focus on uh, basically having narrative deciding choices to make. Um, and we did get a teaser trailer for it, learning that it will be a new RPG for mobile devices showcased at Tokyo Game Show. So, uh, we have a teaser trailer that is the I have to read uh courtesy of Gamatsu they they proposed the translation of the text of the trailer it is so fucking funny so hmm. the, the the text of the trailer reads what is an rpg but is this really how it should be let's take a one time journey but not on a straight path set off on a one time journey continue your journey as usual will they smile or will they grieve the choices that create the story are entirely up to you you will undoubtedly discover what it means to play a true RPG. <laughs> what the fuck? I haven't played one of those before. Really excited. I Dude, I can't it sounds wait. Like, it sounds like they're sort of taking what is, you know, general common wisdom, like WRPG style, like choices and what if things don't go the right way. And like, <laughs> this, that's this, a true RPG. Apparently, <laughs> so is not driving with even like, even the domestic Japanese audience because like the, the, the amount of likes to dislikes on that trailer alone is like it's like six hundred like li- something likes and like two twenty three hundred dislikes. Oh on. shit! Wait, why is it so yeah. disliked because of the mobile well, aspect? So I think also, um, so if the mobile aspect of it, the, there's nothing in the text that I believe says that it's coming to mobile, but I believe the voiceover says smartphone. Yeah, yeah. So I think there are there is a contingency of people even in Japan where smartphone games are obviously big sellers there like like they didn't want this game to be a smartphone game and yeah, that's what it seems like it, it is yeah it's one of those things that like it, it, people like were getting excited for like this you know sega has been on a good role like releasing console rpgs and like when they sh- showed oh they're un- announcing a new rpg in one of the tgs live streams people were like oh they have the, there's like this leaked or whatever soccer wars 25th anniversary logo and like may- maybe it's time you know to finally fucking get soccer awards back on the right track and there's there's like a there's a, a certain amount of people on that on that trend but also it's just like it's just a weird like pitch for this game initial pitch for this game it's like time to show you a true rpg it's like and you know on people, your smartphone. yeah there you go on your smartphone so it's just it's still uh, there's still obviously anti-mobile game resentment uh, uh will continue to be a thing till the end of time till they never no longer exist until mobile but. games are good. <laughs> yeah. hey, well, hey, I, uh, I played Fantasian on my phone, and it's but it's. I know that's not completely a phone game, but uh, I think you know it's getting Don't there. Why, Brian? You played one third of Fantasian on your. That's phone. true. I haven't made. I haven't made time. I, I need to re up my Apple Arcade subscription. That's what I need to do. Does your reincarnation count? 
I think I think I've got isn't that event going on right now? There's an I event going on. That. There's an event going on right now. There's always multiple events going on. Right oh now. yeah, I just meant the the one with the uh, the characters from the remake. Yeah, from Re- Replicant. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I can't keep up with that game anymore. I I know there was like there was like three or four concurrent events at one point. I think that's still a thing. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah. This 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 I'm really I don't know. I guess I'm gonna we're gonna find out exactly what this is soon, but. It's just I I think my favorite my favorite thing about this teaser trailer for this true new mobile RPG is <laughs> I I don't know where the, these leaks or rumors have come from but my favorite thing that's circling around is like maybe it's like Hideo Baba's next game <laughs> and it's it's like, it's like of Sega's working with the Lightworks again and like this is where the Sakura Kakume team went. I'm like oh my fucking god if that's if any of that is true I'm gonna fucking lose my shit. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, so no. if you're, if you're anyone listening is confused, this game is not titled. It is just Sega's new RPG that they will show at TGS. Uh, we'll learn more on October first. All we have is this teaser trailer to go off of. <laughs> no, you see, I thought that was the title, and I was like, that's a pretty bold title and quite long. I like it. We have Sega new true RPG, and then like the Sega Mega Game or whatever it was called. The yeah. Super Game was it? I super super game. game. Hell yeah! This must be that Super Game they were advertising for all these oh, years. Hell no. On my way. So the next topic is one that's following up on something that we uh, talked about last week. We got the new story trailer for Monarch, but we had mentioned that it was a, uh, a Japanese trailer with no, um, no no subtitles or closed captioning. So you can only, if you don't speak the language, you could only get like the general vibe of what they were showing there and that there hadn't been anything from uh, Nice America's side. But that's not true. They just now release a new story-centric trailer for English-speaking audiences. And this is the first trailer, as far as I know, that gives us a first uh, glimpse of the dub work in Monarch, which is releasing later this year in Japan and early next year in um, in the West. This is surprisingly early for like when this game is supposed to be coming out. I'm going to shoot for like maybe like January at the earliest. Um, so the fact that we're getting this like a couple months in advance, that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I think it's releasing like this month or next month in, um, Japan, right? Like if I remember correctly, the Japanese version of this game will have like the English patched into it. Wait, what? No way. I I remember that's what quoted liquid entertainment, uh, announced. It's it's kind of a weird thing where the game is being published by Furyu. It's being developed by Cattle Call. It's being localized into Chinese and releasing at the same time by Clouded Leopard Entertainment. But Clouded Leopard Entertainment also announced, they were the first to announce it, that the game is being localized into English, but that is being patched in later. So in like the Asian announcement, they announced that English is coming. So maybe it's only going into the Asian version and not the Japanese version. I don't quite know, but they announced that, yes, they are going to patch in English. And that was before NIS America actually announced an English version. So first came English news from Clouded Leopard Entertainment, which is a Chinese company. And then NIS America announced, yes, it is going to have English, but it's coming later. Now, who here in this call, because this will be my last news story, who here in this call is familiar with the Fudu Jank Zone? I have some people. Some people think. Mention. Some people think uh, the Alliance Alive is really great. I just think it's okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm used to the Fudu Jank Zone. I, I'm, I'm still trying to get through Caligula effect overdose. I, I'm going to say something that's probably really mean. 
Guyu is the type of developer that Idea Factory probably wishes they could be. Yes, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, so, uh, I like Furyu. Uh, I think they're I think they're fun. I I like that they kind of just take chances and they go what they shoot for the stars when they have only have enough money to maybe get like ten feet above the air. They're they're fun. Just Caligula over Caligula and Caligula Overdose are really jank games that try to do a lot and don't really succeed in most of that. But I'm I always still really like like I, I like the I like developers who just put in the attempt. And what Monarch is is kind of like because Caligula was meant to be a spiritual successor, I think, in a couple ways to the original two Persona games, mainly because it had uh uh what's his name? Uh Tadashi. Uh the the writer on it. On like Innocence in and whatnot. Yeah, and Monarch is meant to, it's got a bunch of old SMT devs, specifically the ones who worked on like SMT one, two, and if. Yeah. And I don't think it'll be an exact replica replicant of SMT if, but I I remember when this game got announced, they were literally saying like, yeah, we just wanted to make a game like SMT if again. And that's the easiest way you can sell me on this, even with the jank. I know that will come with this. Uh, Caligula two comes out in, in less than a month. Uh, excited for that. And by the time I finish that, we'll basically be right going in to Monarch probably. But I think the English localization is solid. I'm surprised this game is getting dubbed when Caligula doesn't. Maybe they have more hope for this one being a, a success. Uh, what do you guys? I mean, what did you guys think of the dub? From I think what we I heard? think Caligula didn't do very well in like Metacritic overall. So I think maybe just kind of like, is it worth putting in like the money and effort to to do a dub on this? Where maybe Monarch they have higher hopes for reception. Yeah, I'm interested. It, it's, it's definitely trying to do like a modern version of SNTF. Like you can definitely see it uh, for for people who played that game. It's like, oh, okay, that's what they're trying to do. Um, it's I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm really interested and curious to see if it's any good or not. I don't know. I don't really know uh, what what to. I, I don't know what I'm expecting out of it. It's such I, a blank question mark yeah i am expecting like a really ambitious and cool seven out of ten like not exactly of course but like it's that kind of vibe i get where it's like and that's a lot of food use games where there are a lot of issues there are some flaws but the the good food games kind of rise above that by just having a bunch of really neat ideas and some really good soundtracks yeah, yeah, the soundtrack for for Monarch already is like I, I'm I'm getting excited for that. There's yeah, one thing I, I will still stand by the fact that I think that Lost Dimension is legitimately a great game and people should play it. It's not. <laughs> it's, I think it's an okay game. Furyu Classic: The Duality of Man. The, <laughs> again, the Furyu Jank Dimension is always the best. But uh, that's really the main one uh, I because I had to I have to leave suddenly. But that's the main one I really wanted to talk about. Uh, so I'll probably dip on out. No, uh, thank you, Colin, uh, for uh, joining to talk uh, to bounce off of Josh for discussing judgment and lost judgment. And then obviously your 
uh, Nino Kuni 2 Switch experience. So My it was great Nino to have you Kuni on. My Nino Kuni 2 mental breakdown. Uh, anyway, you guys have a, a great rest of your cast, and I will talk to you all later. Same right, to you, Colin. Bye-bye. It, it is pretty weird and interesting that, like, just within the next few months, just within months of each other, like, you have Caligula 2 and Monarch, or Caligula 2's Western release, and then Monarch shortly after. And then you have SMT5 kind of in the middle of in terms of, like, Western timeline uh, of the uh, release dates. Like, it's like, you have core SMT, and then you have these two other games from former, like, SMT and Megaten staff as well. It's just, like, kind of a weird <laughs> release schedule that they're so close to each other. Yeah. Semi, semi off topic. It's still a little bit weird, I think, that we haven't heard anything of SMT5's like English dub, and it's supposedly going to have one. And maybe they just maybe they just figured they'll advertise the Japanese version of it. You know, it is a game set in Japan, but you know, yeah. you just yeah, don't see that very often if that's the case. Yeah, like they I I imagine they have to at least show at least one trailer with an English dub, right? Right. <laughs> well, who knows? So here's something that was a late addition to the cast, uh, to the cast, you know, outline is what I mean. And that is we had the Final Fantasy 14 live letter 66, I believe, last night. Now, I am not a Final Fantasy 14 player, so I will have to hand this off to either James or Chow. Uh, as far as I understanding, my understanding from as an outsider is that this was kind of like a balance patch adjustment preview for the upcoming Endwalker expansion. So. Uh, maybe uh, if James, you can just kind of give us like the uh, like the high level highlight of what they uh, went over uh, during the live uh, letter last night. It, there is no high level highlight. They just showed off uh, all of the job changes. Uh, they didn't go into nitty gritty of like the potency changes and every little detail because by their own admission, it would literally take forever to go into it and be like, oh, well, let's say this one skill that was originally 180 potency is now 170 and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, and people get like really hype. The, 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 one, the, one, the one root thing I heard, I got from the live letter last night, in terms of like through osmosis of people talking about it, was like people are, are dis disappointed and mad at what they're doing to Scholar. That's uh, all I it's not I heard so Scholar much is what dead. they're doing. It's not so much they're disappointed in what they're doing to Scholar. They're disappointed in what they're not doing to Scholar. Okay. It's getting like absolutely nothing from a note. So it's probably yeah. it. Basically, so I have not played Scholar. I've, uh, the only healer I've played is Astrologian, which ha has also gotten a, not really a rework per se, but a, it's got a probably a larger change to it than any of the other healers. Uh, just because they got rid of like half of its, well, not half of its kit, but one of its defining abilities, and they've kind of had to work around that, add some new things. Scholar is basically just the same as before. The only thing they've added is uh, an ability that's an AoE that lets players that are affected by it also move quicker in combat, which is unique in the sense that there's no other abilities in the game outside of like Eureka and. Um, Baza that lets you do um, something like that. Uh, but they can't design any like mechanics around it because then that's basically saying, oh, you need to have a scholar in it. And it doesn't actually make things that much quicker. It doesn't Im impact your combat speed. It's just your movement speed in combat. I feel so. like they didn't want to do too much with Scholar because they wanted to hype up the new Sage class because it's a new barrier healer, which is also what a Scholar is. So, 
Yeah, that's part of it. But also, I feel like the reason why people are upset with Scholar isn't even so much because of this. It's more like the straw that broke the camel's back. Because at least from what I've seen, is that there is a prevailing kind of uh, feeling or, well, not feeling. There's a prevailing theory that ever since Heaven's Word where Scholar was kind of OP, that the dev team has been really persistent about making sure that it could never be too out there. And so ever since then, it's kind of been a static class. And whereas other classes have had major changes to them, Scholar, not so much. Like people are actually fine with major changes because at least it's something new. At least it's something that they can learn, try to learn to get into. And if it doesn't work out, then whatever, at least it's something new. At least it's, there's a chance for things to get better. And while there haven't been as many people outright disappointed with Dark Knight as with Scholar, you're seeing a lot of the same thoughts where you look, I'll be honest with you. I play Dark Knight. I have it at level 80. I watched its abilities reel. I couldn't tell what the fuck was new. <laughs> hmm. Literally well, everything some... else, it, it's pretty easy to tell, oh, this is different. Like Dragoon, it's got a uh, a couple new charge abilities. It's got a few new AoE stuff. It seems to uh, basically, while I can't tell exactly what's happening, I can tell that there are things that are new that are going to have an impact on its rotation. Warrior, I can tell that right off the bat, its gap closer no longer uses meter, which means that it's going to feel much better in the rotation to like actually use it. And it also got Felis Cleave, so everyone that's a warrior main is having a great time because that's hilarious. Uh, everything else, I don't have every class at level 80, so I can watch these uh, reels and be like, oh, that looks cool, but obviously I haven't played them. Like, I just got the answer to level 80. I can tell there's things that are new, but I can't really tell how that would slot into the, to the like, uh, combination, the uh, rotation. Um, Gunbreaker, it gets an extra cartridge slot, so that'll have an impact on things, and it has a new ability that uses more than one cartridge slot for an attack, so that'll change things up quite a bit. Uh, Paladin, it basically just got unlimited blade works. Uh, okay, all right, I can understand that. Oh, that um, got people really high. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because going into this, I was like, you know what? I know Paladin will probably get a lot of changes, but it doesn't really need that many. It it feels like it's really in a good spot. And then they they start showing it. It's like, oh man, they just completely changed up its magic rotation. Oh god, unlimited blade works. Oh god, again. Why is this a three step combo? <laughs> it, it, it's something. But yeah, yeah like uh, what uh, Chow just posted, it's it, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, overall, besides Scholar and um, Dark Knight, I feel like most people are happy with the changes for the most part. Monk has, uh, well, there was a joke that was on Twitter um, that basically said, man, Monk players are, well, no, melee DPS mains are always got it the best because every expansion they get a new job called Monk. It's every expansion. It's got, it gets a massive rework because the dev team just doesn't know what to do with the class. Hopefully, this is the one, and people are actually happy with it. It oh, seems yeah. like people are feeling positive about what they've seen, but you'll never know until you actually get it, like get your hands on with it. And even like first impressions don't necessarily tell the whole story. 
I tried playing Monk, and I can't even tell you what this class is about. Do you just do the same two combos, and that's it, and try to get behind the enemy's back? Is that I it? never used Monk. Okay, well, I, I guess there's no other person that can help me here. Yeah, absolutely no no other person on Earth can help you. You're the only one playing Monk. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, this is... All we can do as uh, FF14 outsiders like, yep, that definitely, yes, the things are happening at FF14. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. The job rotation, well, the job changes stuff was like one portion of the stream. The other stuff was, again, there wasn't anything really huge here. It was basically just quality of life changes and some system. Uh, I think the thing that they made changes. everything happy was using the long range attack doesn't fuck up your combo anymore. Oh, yes, so. that's that's a big deal. Uh, Non-combat stuff, though, the biggest change they've probably made, well, they went over exactly what is going to happen when they remove belts and end walker uh, what you can and can't do before patch 6.0 um one thing that kind of pissed off uh, well it's a good change i'm not disagreeing with the change but something that pissed off me and a few other people that just recently got all of our gatherers to level 80 during Shadowbringers is that so gathering classes also have their own quests and one of the things that's kind of infamous for them is that they ask you to get high quality versions of some pretty rare stuff that you have to rely on RNG in order to not just get the item in the first place, but hope that it procs high quality. So it's a pain in the ass. You can buff yourself to make the RNG like a bit well, a little bit more lenient, but it's still been a pain in the ass. It's boring, especially fishing, because they'll ask you to get these high quality fish these really rare fish that the only way you can get them is by mooching which means that you have to get a high quality lower level fish and then you basically throw it right back in the world a uh, water to uh, use as bait for the fish that you actually want really pain in the ass really annoying takes a lot of time uh basically just busy work for the sake of busy work um they're getting rid of high quality gathering items so that means that, <laughs> so that means that everything that I've gone through, everything that my buddy Jason went through, where he just got his gatherers all to level seventy, and he's just like, as soon as I told, as soon as he heard that, he was like, "I'm gonna cry," <laughs> because so it's like, it takes yeah. so long. You suffered. The, everyone else must suffer. Yeah, it's like yeah. FF14 boomer takes. It's like we, <laughs> back in my day, uh -huh. that sort of oh. shit. Like I said, it's a good change. It's a good change. But I'm going to be silently judging everyone that levels their their gatherers in Endwalker. Uh, that, see, that's just like how me and Adam were like uh, when they added uh, manual skill selection in Nocturne HD Remastered. Like, oh, we get it. But back in our day, when SMT was real. Yeah. Um, some other stuff. Uh, they. It was funny because the dev team had to explain why they were removing the cap on how much teleportation costs will be. Because they're adding new areas, then they're like, okay, so now areas can cost more than 999 uh, uh, gil. Yeah, in order to uh, teleport. And people are like, why? But why do you charge us in the first place? And they said, look, we understand a lot of people here probably haven't played MMOs before, but the reason why we charge a fee on like an MMO standpoint level is to make sure that there is something draining um, currency out of the ecosystem to keep the uh, economy more stable and a lot of people just don't understand it it makes sense but people just don't understand it so the teleporting is kind of like pocket change i don't think it can like drain the inflation as much and yeah, other mmos yeah. 
Um, they also did kind of go into detail about Ethernet changes, which isn't the same as teleporting. Uh, basically, whenever you're in a city, there is these smaller Ether uh, crystals that are part of the Ethernet, and they let you fast travel from different points in a settlement. Uh, before, the UI for it was kind of terrible. It just had a list, and you'd have to like outright open up a map of the settlement and look around and be like, okay, that's where it is, or memorize it. Now it's changed where when you open up the Ethernet warp menu, there actually is the map like attached to it. And when you click one and before you confirm, it'll actually show you where exactly you're going to be teleporting to. So very good change. Excellent. No complaints there. Um, besides that, that's basically all of the major changes, I feel like. But um as always, if you guys want a real deep dive on everything, just check out like Tony's work at Nova Crystallis. They always do like line by line. Really big, yeah, <laughs> big write-ups. So, I mean, if you're actually a Final Fantasy 14 player, you've probably already read that or you probably watched the live letter. But if you're just interested in like the nitty gritty stuff of a game that you don't even play, that's an option. We did get a couple of uh, smaller game announcements or air quotes announcements uh this week uh the first one is actually another one of the famous australian classification board leaks so uh we got an australian classification board listing for this is a bit of a surprise atelier sophie 2 the alchemist of the mysterious dream so this is after obviously rise 2 was the first sequel to have the same alchemist in the title now we're kind of going yeah, back to the sequel in a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you might need to go back to like yeah, but like uh, so um, Atelier Sophie is part of the I hope I get this right. The mysterious trilogy, which then already kind of falled into like the other alchemists in that trilogy. But now it seems like with the with this listing of Atelier Sophie, too, that they're going to revisit that to make a direct sequel for Atelier Sophie. So kind of a bit of a surprise. Uh, obviously, since this is not an announcement, we don't have any details involving this. Just the fact that it showed up on the um, uh, Australian Classification Board. So it'll be interesting to see, like, we're revisiting that mysterious trilogy, which we thought was, to my knowledge, you know, done and dusted. But apparently not. They're going to they're gonna go back to that well and just, you know, because people like those games and have a high opinion of them. And maybe the series is in a... Uh... Hmm? Um, no, I would actually say that the mysterious trilogy is probably a bit of a black sheep of the recent Atelier games, because like the people that like the Arlen trilogy, they like it because of like the strict time limit stuff, the very like very heavy focus on the actual alchemy uh, dust trilogy. People aren't super hot on Shally, but a lot of people like Aisha and uh, Eskin Lo and, and Logie. Not too many people are happy with the mysterious stuff because it's kind of uneven all over the place, at least from what I've seen. Okay, what reminded was the was the mysterious trilogy. That was uh Sophie, so Furious, Lydian Swell. Oh right. What was the second one? Furious. Oh yeah, Furious, Furious. Okay, yeah. Okay. I'm still I'm still sort of surprised I didn't translate that as Phyllis, because Phyllis is like a real name and Furious is like sure. Wasn't like the scope of that game was like a lot bigger and it was like full of bugs. I just remember like that game wasn't really well received when it came out. I think yeah, people probably. do like Sophie to some extent, at least as a character. But yeah, I have not heard great things about either Atelier Furis 
or Atelier, Liddy, and Swell, which is the one with the twins. Yeah. Uh, I will say that this news, while it did surprise me when I first like saw like the classification stuff, uh, when you consider what changes they made to the mysterious DX ports, specifically Sophie, where they added in like a new kind of like scenario to it, it makes a bit more sense. I haven't played it, but now it seems like, oh, that was probably tying into a potential sequel. Which wasn't the new scenario into. just like a new, wasn't, I thought it was like a new painting for the uh, Lydian Swell that was, because they're they like going to paintings, I guess. I haven't played it either. And one of them was based off of Atelier Nelk or whatever they called that game, which was the uh, the town building spinoff. Let me double check, but either Cross way, over. yeah. Um, well, anyways, I have to imagine that Atelier Sophie 2, it's either like an interquill in a way where it's, you know, after Atelier Sophie, there's a new adventure she goes on, but it's still before the advance of Atelier Furious, right? Or maybe it's like actually like a fourth game in the series where you're playing as like literally adult Sophie okay. like several so, years later after okay, several so reading the Atelier Sophie uh, DX theme page, it says, what makes it DX? New episode of Sophie's growth and a new costume that will help her follow in her grandmother's steps. So yeah, there is like okay. an additional um, something in Sophie DX, which I guess does kind of tie it in. All right, Atelier Sophie DX fans, listeners, well, let us know in the comments. We're like three blind mice time to talk about it. That was kind of a weird port in general because, like, it was coming. It went. It came to like PC and Switch, but two of those games were already on Switch and PC of that trilogy, so they kind of just got like replaced. That was Furious and Sliddy and Swell. Um, and then Sophie didn't have a Switch port before, as I, if I, if I remember correctly. So this is like its first Switch port. Oh right, it's so a little awkward. Reading the um, Sophie DX like Steam reviews, I forgot about this, but apparently it actually had like a visual downgrade because it's based off of the new Switch version. Oh yeah, on the PC version, like the PC version in the original is based off of a PlayStation game, and now it's based off of a Switch game. It's weird, kind of like kind of like Dragon Quest. Where the the Dragon Quest Eleven version you get on PC now is basically a Switch port, where before it was a PS4 port, so it it looks different anyway. So this will probably be better, yeah. Yeah. So this will probably be the end, the the surprise announcement in that Koei Tecmo live TGS live stream block. What it is yeah. possible they might announce. Sometimes what they do is they like announce it ahead of time, and then like more details will come in our stream. So it may not be announced at the stream, but they'll go into detail there. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I should so, also mention very briefly oh. that uh, I don't I, th- I think I don't think we mentioned this, but like Atelier Ryza Two was also leaked like a year ago, before it was announced on this exact same ratings board. So <laughs> there's so there's you know precedent for this. I have to say that this uh, well not announcement yet, but when it does happen, it's a matter of time. Not not if when. Uh, it's it's exciting for me because when I played through Ryza 2, I really enjoyed it. And my one takeaway was, man, what could they do if they had more time to work on a Ryza 3? And it's like, man, it seems like that might be the case because it's clear that there's like segments of Gus that work on different titles. That's the only way that releasing multiple games in a single year makes sense. So if the Ryza team or whatever 
they call themselves are working on rise of three and giving themselves a longer dev cycle time that's like really cool because rise of two is already like still one of my favorite games of the year so far and i'd love to see what they could do with like more budget more time that sort of deal while we're talking about gust we did get another like info drop for a game that we've talked about many, 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 probably too many times. Um, and that's the Blue Reflection Second Light, along with the upcoming anime and mobile game whose names I can't remember right now, to be honest. This is uh, actually the most uh, this is actually kind of the most like s- the smallest info drop yet. Like we're really getting to a drip feed here. It basically just revealed two new characters like and these are like the seventh and eighth NPCs or whatever, you know, just like two more characters are in the game. And one of them, at least, is from the anime. So we've talked about before how it's just like, yeah, they, the, the, they're crossing the, over from the anime stuff. Yeah, Uta is like an antagonist in the anime. Um, the other one they revealed uh, that was a Kirara. She's like at the yet to be released mobile game. So I, to me, like, I'm curious because I, I I follow the anime, but like, but there's like there's there's still like. I would pick up this game if they put my favorite character in the anime in it, and it, but but she's not like one of the magical girls, so I don't know if she's gonna be in. But uh, I would pick up this game if they put my favorite character in. Yeah, so I think we've already kind of talked Blue Reflection, Second Light to Death. Uh, so it comes out in a little over a month in Japan and two months for the West. So uh, seems like if you want to get the full picture, you have to dabble in the right, thing, so yep. uh-huh. yeah sorry guys yeah, your, <laughs> your sorry, he's gonna review the game and be like this character isn't introduced but they don't like do anything and they're not well established and i have no idea who they are they just uh-huh. didn't watch the anime are you going to tell the people i'm going to review this game without watching the anime is that really what you're going to tell blue reflection yeah side note disclaimer i never watched it wow <laughs> Holy shit. How how can I trust you that? I only read it blue reflection reviews from qualified game reviewers. They didn't say qualified anime watchers. <laughs> so we do have a couple other small announcements, and these are actual announcements um, that appeared this week. So this one is a game that I don't think any of us here can speak to at all because it's a bit out of left field. Uh, I, I'm just going to blurt it out because I have no idea how to like lead into this. Uh, THQ Nordic had a little bit of a presentation a couple days ago, and one of the games they announced was Jagged Alliance 3. Does anyone here know anything about these games? Absolutely yeah. nothing. And they're, they're, they're freaking... They, the first two were released like 10 billion years ago, and like I remember playing them, but I'm not... I don't know oh, if I'm I beat them. But they're, they're basically like tactical strategy games. I don't know. I don't remember them being like having RPG systems in the first two, at least. Um, they specifically mentioned for Jagged Alliance 3 that it has RPG mechanics. And I th- I haven't played these games, but it sounded like that was sort of, you know, this is a new thing. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because because the, to me, the, 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 the game that, like, I most, like, relate them to is, like, sort of like Company of Heroes, you know? So it's like, it's not quite an RTS, but it has that sort of interface. So, like, it, like when I saw, like, Jagged Alliance 3, like, the... Few, few gameplay video clips they showed like it looks a lot more XCOM-y to me in terms of presentation so like when they're like hiding behind like half cover it actually like show like oh this will only cover you like halfway it's not like quote-unquote full cover in XCOM terms but like it's been a really long time since like I've played any of these I don't know if they even run on modern systems anymore if you have to 
like that was just, just for uh, reference <laughs> jagged alliance one i think came out in like 1994 uh-huh. or something like that and then jagged alliance two came out in 1999 so it's been like 20 years since the first version of jagged alliance two it got like a re-release and then some expansions that are more recent but it's it's been a while since it's like a new numbered entry. More, more recent, series. as in like mid aughts, like fifteen years ago. No, it's yet to, there really? was there was a Jagged Alliance like in two thousand and eighteen that was like a weird spinoff. It was like Rage, oh, Jagged oh, Alliance oh, Rage, yeah. and a few other. I think there was one in like two thousand and thirteen. But yeah, it's so. I think there's there's a certain set of people who are, this is a hype announcement where it's like, oh yeah, I played a ton of Jagged Alliance two twenty years ago. I'm excited for three. I think the most enticing thing about this is uh, there's a bullet point for it that says experience the campaign with friends in online co-op mode. But just you know, online co-op RPGs are like not there's not rare. a lot a lot of them. Uh, yeah. And and like the the gameplay of this game is like it if it's like the Jagged Alliance that I remember, it's like kind of well suited for it. So that's what I mean. Tales of Arise doesn't have co-op, so gotta, gotta go to the next one. <laughs> Jack Alliance doing what right. Tales of Arise doesn't. That's right. Yeah, but it looks very XCOM-y. Looks, I don't know, very, very strategic. Uh, it's from the developers of Tropico, so that kind of checks out. Uh, no release date or window at all, just the initial announcement. And the initial announcement, at least it does seem to show, like, I don't know if it's pure gameplay or like mock gameplay, but it does actually show a bit of it, which is kind of cool. So it's not just like a cinematic, you know, yeah. teaser. Yeah, so this might, be, this might be just a fun co-op game in general. If it, if it pans out, you know, that'd be awesome. And the other game that was announced this week was uh, X Asterisk, which is a game for mobile devices from the developer of R Knights. And I know R Knights is a Arknights. I gotcha game. Is it? Oh, is it R Knights? I, I always pronounce it Arc Knight. I don't know if the K yeah. is like. It's Arc Knights, yeah. Oh, Arc Knight. <laughs> I do know that in our Discord, plug in the Discord, uh, that we do have a, a population of people who are really big into Arc Knights. Uh, so this is a, a new teaser announcement trailer for a, a new project from that studio, Hypogriff, for X Asterisk. Uh, it's there's an announcement trailer and then there's like some pre alpha gameplay. There is no release date on this at all. Um, it's described as a premium game. So, uh, I guess they're trying to divorce themselves from being a a gotcha game or whatever, Uh, a turn-based 3d RPG where a protagonist from earth is assigned to a faraway planet for an investigation of the Xeno civilization, uh, blah, 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 blah. So it seems like they're trying to set this up as like more of a, a console-ish RPG experience and less like an Ark Knights um, gotcha uh, sort of set up for it. So, yeah, I'm just saying that's interesting that like, oh, they're actually like, there's not a lot of like mobile devs that have dipped into gotcha games. Like, oh yeah, our next game is like a, like something you pay for upfront. It's not a, another gotcha game, you know? So that's interesting. I like, I was skimming through like the, the gameplay, uh, gameplay trailer of it. It's you know, it's early. Like the environments look pretty and neat and like very clean. It definitely has like a certain type of tone. But you know, a lot of the character models, animation seems very early. Stiff, so yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm interested to see where where this goes. Uh, yeah, I, I I I hope it turns out well. You know, it's I I, I would like to encourage uh, more mobile gacha devs who are very like purely talented, but like at least you know go the route of like having like a premium mobile game like have something to like let people pay up front and like see i, I want to see like a proper structured like console-esque game would look like from well, them instead of like oh we're pumping out limited time events and like login bonuses dailies and, and weeklies like, 
Dailies, weeklies, you know. But, no, actually, like, yeah. Arc Knights is like is a really like unique game in that space because it's like a tower defense game that like you know obviously has gotcha systems, but it has really deep mechanics for uh for uh that type of game. Like you basically have like these different different kinds of operators and characters. Like they they specialize like you know long range healing, uh you know suppression type things. So you have like waves of enemies. You have to, like to position them in a way where they didn't like none of that. None of those enemies like breach your defenses. And whatnot. So it's a, it is a really cool, unique game in that space. But like you know, it is still a gotcha game where like you're you're building up these characters with like different rarities, and like it's a big time commitment, time sink, and for some people a big you know money sink as well, depending on how hard they they really want to get characters. I do want to read through the uh, trailer description because there, there was one bit that I missed initially. Uh, here's the description. Go through the storm, transcend eternity. Dear Traveler, enjoy your journey. Ex Axtris, the first premium game presented by Hypergriff, reveals an exploration of episodic nature, uh, sorry, episodic narrative and 3D RPG gameplay. So kind of bringing it full circle, I guess this will, they call it a premium game in one in one sentence and then episodic narrative in the other. So maybe those two things aren't, you know, mutually exclusive, but it does maybe seem like it'll- Maybe it's like, like, uh, Ever-Crisis, like that. I don't think I see Ever-Crisis thing when they announced that it'll be- I forgot if it's fr- I forgot if it's free, but the t- it is episodically nature where like they'll add on more content. So I don't know. So yep, no 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 details on dates or uh, anything like that. Just the first announcement, some, some initial gameplay. If you're a fan of Ark Knights, maybe you'll uh, go check it out. I do like how some of the comments on the trailer are like, "Is this where our Ark Knights money is going?" I'm hyped for it or, or whatever. So maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very very dedicated crowd. Uh, a couple updates to existing games that have released in the last couple of months. Uh, this first one is actually kind of really good news, to be honest. Um, Tales of Arise, which has been out for a little over a week, has surpassed 1 million shipments and digital sales, which is the fastest ever for the series. Uh, we did also get updates that Bizaria has surpassed 2 million, and Vesperia is just shy of 3 million at 2.88. So... Um, it seems like Tales of Arise is kind of a shot in the arm for the series. It's the fastest selling so far. I don't know. It seems like just really good news in general. I don't know how you can look at this and feel anything else, uh, anything otherwise. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, World by simultaneously that definitely helped. And uh, it seems like the re- reception from, you know, fans internationally, like they're generally positive on it. They're like, yeah, this is pretty yeah. good. It also has, they also, they also noted they have like, it has obviously dual audio, but also like 11 different text translations as well. So, you know, really a worldwide release. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, AAA Tales of is here to stay. (laughs) Probably. Oh, so is the the mobile gotcha games. They're here to stay too. (laughs) Those are also here to stay. Like he literally (laughs) said that. Uh, I think we mentioned this before, but Tomizawa basically did an interview with Famitsu. He did say for, this is probably what's actually more interesting to our audience is, yeah, they're going to do more remasters and remakes, but also like, we're going to keep doing these mobile games. Like, they are quite literally here to stay. So we're going to pump out as many of them as we can. The, the, <laughs> every other year. I don't know. Every other Imagine like by the year, like 2030, it's like what? 10 running field mobile games. Like, yeah. yeah. If, they, if they pay for a rise, then I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, we also got an update for a game that was kind of a mainstay of the podcast a couple months ago. Uh, a new patch for Scarlet Nexus. So we did talk a little bit about some new DLC that they're getting like extended character episodes and things like that. 
Well, this patch version 1.03 is uh, focusing more on gameplay and like accessibility. They the two main things here is uh, a kind of an adjustment to how the attack animations work in terms of like whether or not the aim assist will have you target your enemies or not, which I know is actually something that Cullen actually pointed out in his review that he felt like it felt a little like loose in terms of like uh, getting your attacks to land while airborne and things like that. Uh, they also talked about being able to adjust the camera distance near and near and far, uh, some larger font sizes because the font, I, I play at a monitor, so I didn't really have an issue, but if you're playing on TV, uh, it could be like really, really tiny. Um, the, the ability to skip the uh, SAS animations, those are the animations of your allies when you uh, invoke their powers. So just seems like a really nice kind of follow-up, you know, to, to a game that seems like it has done well for, Bandai, despite some of the initial um, concerns about it potentially underperforming. So yeah, so that's the free update. The paid DLC for the um, costumes, weapons, and bond episodes is also. They haven't not given out any yet. details on like pricing or dates on those. Just it's coming, which is you know maybe maybe they decided after the fact that they're going to do DLC and they actually, now they actually have to make it. So I mean, just so rather than the alternative where they just like like sell it after the fact just because they can. We did also get an update for Fantasian, and this was something that I think uh, Josh actually pointed out, where you had finished the game, tried to get into a certain location, only to be uh, introduced by a message basically saying, like, Josh. please... Did Josh, did Josh finish the game, or was it James? It was oh, me. I it was, oh, it was James. I thought, <laughs> for some reason, I thought it was Josh. Josh always gets... Uh... People I wrote say that he did everything. No, no, I know no. you Josh are, gets I know all the credit. You, I know no, you had I'll played it, but I thought... Well, no, did Josh, Josh did, has Josh even first. played part two yet? I, I played a little bit, but then I stopped because uh, real life happened. So no, I I just and, I legitimately thought it was something that Josh brought up, but no, I guess it was James. My memory's failing me. Where he tried to go into a a specific location only to be introduced by a message saying like check back with a future update. I, I never I'm worried where you got confused because I brought I brought that up because I I think I I was speaking with someone who did like mention that like oh like the full game's not even here yet because they got there and it's like oh more content is to come and whatnot so yeah, anyways like, let's let's get into the actual what the announcement was so fantasian <laughs> update version 2.5.0 uh adding the post-game dungeon that people had kind of come across and realized wasn't as part of the game yet and then also introducing uh new game plus so the the, the post-game update is the void realm uh the the press release kind of goes into detail on like how many floors like which what the like how how the dungeon is set up things like that uh and then how the new game plus works how you access it what carries over um and things like that so so is there like still a story after the game's over is it kind of like um was it like the xenoblade definitive edition kind of thing no i assume it's mostly just a post game just like challenge like battle only arena sort of thing is my guess i don't know because um the little video they used to show like kind of uh detail it and like who the main boss of the the post game dungeon is there might be some story stuff there it won't be like crucial or anything but it, there might be something yeah i'm, I'm sure it'll have like a, a little thin story to, said, to go with it but that being I, said i am not going back to it <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're a masochist and really want to challenge yourself even further on a really demanding game because I, I know you've been playing through it now uh adam and yeah it's uh something isn't it i i mentioned this on twitter it's fantasian is surprisingly just long it's longer than tales of arise it's longer than lost judgment you know it's longer than scarlet nexus near east nine 
Persona 5 Strikers, it's longer than all of those. <laughs> it's a pretty long game, uh, mm. which is sort of weird. It's like not what I would expect, you know, for like a mobile RPG, but... Is it, it longer it, than Pathfinder? It's probably not longer than Pathfinder. <laughs> okay. I win or lose. Uh, yeah, I, I like that's the standard does. Is it longer than Pathfinder, though? Can it run Crisis? <laughs> all right, we do have a couple of uh, release dates here. So here's an indie game. A lot of times we don't always give indie games kind of like their... Uh, their spot on stage but uh this one we're gonna go ahead and do it so pixel art action rpg unsighted from developer studio pixel punk published by humble games is releasing on september 30th for playstation 4 xbox one nintendo switch and pc so this kind of looks like a almost like a like a mystery dungeon sort of game or maybe like a like more of a top-down sort of metroidvania with obviously a pixel art style as described in the header we do have a cool like uh, release date trailer linked up on the site, and I don't know. It just seems like it's got a, got an interesting art style, oh. kind of got an interesting take on the. Uh... Go ahead. I remember seeing like uh, a bit about this game. I don't remember exactly what about the development team, but I believe it's like a like South American developer or something. Uh, that's, let me check. That's kind of cool. It did. It did show up uh, at E3. I forget. Was it on the? Um, it could have been on maybe on one of the Nintendo showcases. Yeah, Brazilian game studio. So, yep. so they yep, always cool to see That's that. Cool. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's got a cool like pixel art style. You know, it's very flashy. It sort of reminds me of something like Hyperlight Drifter, only it's more detailed and less. It's not quite so minimalistic kind of pixel style, but action RPG pixels. Uh, I'm interested in it just as an indie action pixel. I like pixel art. So. Yeah, it's, it's 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 cool that like I just recently reviewed uh, Dodgeball Academia, and that was from a, another Brazilian indie studio as well. So, yeah. mm-hmm. no, since really as soon as you say Hyperlight Drifter, I'm like, oh yeah, that that's the great, that's a better comparison. Yeah, it's not the same, but it's a really good kind of setting the stage of what you think uh, what it looks like. Yeah, it's always cool to see uh, developers from like less represented countries in the industry like pop up. It's really mm-hmm. cool to see stuff, and it's like. You never know what you'll get because, like, Valhalla also came from South America. It was Venezuela, wasn't it? I think. I think and, so. Yeah. And obviously, a ton of people love Valhalla and they're supposedly. You mean Valheim? Them. Or wait, what game is this? Valhalla. Oh, the uh, bartender. Uh, that bartender. Oh, that game. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was okay. thinking like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Like, this is from like 12 different Ubisoft. <laughs> that's yeah, that's from about. Ubisoft. So it's just from the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> old spellings for common names now <laughs> you mean va11 dash whatever let's not hurt ourselves uh another september 30th release date and that is for the uh death scambit afterlife which is kind of like the big gold edition repackaging of death scambit that was announced back in july where they Josh played this uh, yeah i, I played do you remember it the base version yeah i remember it I, I remember not really yeah it was okay it was okay i remember it but this is supposedly like the the new and improved version of that game like overhauling like a, a ton of systems and whatnot i don't know if i'll go back to it to be honest like the the base game was like it's i, I don't know if i would be interested enough like to go back to it because like you know it's kind of it was whatever for me and uh, i think i'll keep it like that yeah, and like supposedly it's going to have like twice as much content, uh, you know, and you know, a really huge overhaul, big expansion for it. Um, so it's September 30th for uh, Switch and PC, and then uh, additional platforms at a later date. 
I guess another uh, double check. Correct me if I'm wrong, James, but another September 30th release of sorts is The Legend of Heroes Kuro no Kiseki, obviously in Japan only. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Yes, so it's just it's like, man, lots of RPGs coming out on September 30th. Uh, at least two of them. Uh, if you can't read Japanese, he'll be able to play. But uh, Kuro is uh, fast approaching. Um, still not up yet, but uh, I will have my impressions for Hajimari up probably next week i would imagine hopefully uh just gotta wait for a boss a boss dude alex to uh actually like look over it but yeah anyways. but so so obviously as we lead up to the japanese launch of chrono kaseki which will be years before we see it over here thanks to um nice going into the uh crossbow games then reverie revelry whatever whatever they decided to call it amari and then and then we'll see kuro uh which doesn't have an official title yet in english after that so looking at three four years before we see it uh unless you're impatient like james in which case you only have to wait a couple more weeks yeah, they did well. i'm heavily considering it more and more now <laughs> that's the closer uh, it gets um Josh, they did. No, you gotta you gotta play hajimari first no i already know everything about hajimari <laughs> they did release uh what the uh opening movie of the game is which a lot of people are excited about it it uses the um the 3d character models rather than like uh and animated like 2D images that they, that Falcom has used before, and I think the fidelity is high enough now that it works pretty well. So I think yeah, I think the yeah. actual composition of the opening is kind of like generic. Like think of your favorite anime or JRPG opening and change the characters out. And I think this is kind of like that's it's not, the that's rest not of them. fair. My favorite anime opening is Baka now. <laughs> When you think about like the 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 technological progression they've done with like the trail series openings, like in the sky ones, they kind of had like anime stills with a really nice song over them. But they were like, you know, I they actually were... like I actually really like the sort of stylized stills. Yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. Didn't they did that in Hajimari with the 3D character models as their opening? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they yeah, did. They did. They did. yeah. So this isn't anything new. Yeah, this isn't anything, but it's on their new engine though, on their their new graphical engine, which is it looks way better. Yeah, um, it does. Yeah, and and then they started like the the kind of like the not the 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 Flash Java like moving <laughs> a puppetry thing they did in. I think yeah. they started that in um. What did, when did they start that? Was it the? Was it was it Crossbell? They started that. I don't know if it was Crossbell, but uh, I think they I, did. It was definitely it's kind of like the puppetry almost of like. Oh, I think it was uh, Salsada that they kind of. Did oh that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they started, and they did, uh, and then in starting with Trails of Cold Steel three, they started go going full to the anime openings. It was kind of like eh. it's kind of bled to me, you know. They kind of started that with Fuse eight. Is it East Eight? Oh, okay. East Eight has them too. Yeah, yeah. And then now there's not, now doing full engine and game engine now, yeah. but they're new. So yeah. But anyways, okay. opening movie. They also have a Falcom 40th anniversary DLC set for. Uh, Happy 40 year anniversary, Falcom. Yeah. Um. The one. Uh, it's a a bunch of like costumes. The one that everyone's talking about is a swimsuit for Agnes because. Uh, it's just awkward because there's like some people that are like getting really really creepy about it and then there's other people that are getting angry at people for saying you know i know it's just a bikini but you know that's not the reason why falcon made this and they, well, they've falcon, got like they've got some other costumes in there as well. <laughs> it is it is standard falcon dlc unfortunately these days cool. um you know 
Oh, well, hey, sell, it, so. Yeah, it, it's just like free. I won't say free money, but like release a swimsuit set, let people know about it before the game releases. It's just extra income for them. So like at this point, you're yeah. turning you're turning away money if you don't do that. I suppose that's just where the audience I mean, is. Yeah, so I will like say that uh, Vaughn's swimsuit, looking at it, it's actually really nice. It's it's really kind of cute. But so, um, yeah, there's definitely to drive sales because it's going to be only available for limited time from September 30th to October 31st. So they're basically like, hey, you better get this game early. You don't want to miss out on these. Well, I just oh, yeah. go back to my like mindset when I played. I haven't played Cold Steel 4 yet, but when I played 3, like I never bothered with any of the alternate colors that you unlock, or same with East 9, or Scarlet Nexus, I never bothered with any of the attachments. Like That's just not something that interests me. Like I just could not care. Like I'll just go with it. I actually kind of liked in Tales of Arise that I think it is like an Ultimate Edition costume set, so it is optional, but you can buy, like each character has like a unique bespoke costume for each character, and I actually saw like a lot of reviewers like in their screenshots wearing them. It's just kind of cool to have like an alternate character design rather than just a swimsuit or a school or a school outfit or like, you know, some like themed thing. Like, no, here's just like an alternate character design for Alfin. And here's just, uh, you know, here's Rinwell in, you know, it's like a mage costume that's kind of got like an owl theme to it because, you know, she's got Hoodle. And like I I put that one on because I just like, you know, it's kind of cool to have like an alternate design rather than just, you know, some themed thing or a swimsuit or whatever so it that was kind of cool for me unfortunately, that's why i don't use it unfortunately Balka, uh Bamco made the the fucking oh, uh, apocalyptic sin of uh, uh gating arts a uh, two dlc as well so you know oh yeah they did do that <laughs> i was just like okay well not, like no one actually knew that until like the rubber met the road it's like oh weird okay <laughs> so it sucks. It sucks. People shouldn't have to definitely do that. And I, I kind of wish George was on the cast today for this one, but he's not. So someone will have to pretend to be like really passionate about this. But uh, Dying Light 2 Stay Human has been delayed until February 4th of next year. So, no, I uh, can't no. here after Biomutant and Gotham no, no. Knights. But oh. I want parkour. I want a parkour. <laughs> uh, well, why, why, this, this, this game is weird. Like it was like originally billed as sort of this open world. They called it an RPG ish thing where uh, first of all, it was, it was really like written by Chris Avalone, who is now his name is poison. <laughs> so like they, they mixed that. I mean, his contributions are still there, but uh, like it was supposed to have a lot of like choice and consequence, like ever evolving world, and everything you do will change everything else. And it seemed like they ran into a lot of problems with that in terms of, you know, that's just so many permutations of choices and how it changes things. And then they, when they re-revealed it, and they're like now ramping up to release, they're really heavily focusing on the parkour element of it. Hey, that's oh, well, we, we, we have we have a breaking news update from George out on the field. Uh, the, he's coping <laughs> with it with this. He just tweeted out right now at this very moment, Nickelodeon All Stars Game of the Year. So that's his <laughs> next uh, thing he's clinging on to right now. Oh uh, man, I can't wait to see him join the uh, Nickelodeon uh, Smash Clone uh, competitive scene. Uh, he better like uh, he's, he's got to get an Ethernet cable before he, he does that. He doesn't even recognize like eighty percent of the cast. He's he's young. He doesn't recognize fucking Red Instant. Yeah, anymore. like who is Cat Dog? Who's to- who's Powder Toast Man? It's, come on now, I don't buy it. But yeah, Dying Light Two. If you if I'm, I'm on the Steam page for it right now, like what are they? How do they describe this game? 
And it's just like vast open world. Participate in the life of a city engulfed in a dark new era. Discover different paths and hidden passages as you explore its multiple levels. Uh, creative and brutal combat. Day and night cycle. Choice and consequence. So there's still some of that. Um, Feels very kitchen sink up. to me. I don't know. Combat. Parkour. Uh, dialogue. I don't know. <laughs> what else do people like these days? Uh, I didn't. I actually didn't know this. It says two to four player co-op. Play, up, four, play in up to four player co-op. What genre they did they have any sort of? On it. Yeah, I, I know two players. Uh, here, here, are the, here are the genres: uh, okay. zombies, open okay. world, action, okay. co-op, right. parkour. Mm-hmm. Not an RPG. Actually, RPG is like eight. No, actually, we're more like eleven. <laughs> All right, that's down. This is how we're going to start uh, um, deciding which RPGs we cover for the site, depending on how far down the RPG tag is on their Steam page. <laughs> But on the actual store page, it says action RPG. Mm. Mm. Oh. But it's just not in the Wait, user others? generated tags. Yeah, if you scroll down to like near the near the ESRB rating, action RPG. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did we trust the fans or the the store description? I don't know. I think the fans might be right here. We'll just have to go with uh. We'll have to reconvene with George <laughs> next spring, and uh, he'll give us the yep. he'll give us the the. The declarative statement. He will. He will have final say. The the, the our, how RPG is it meter? <laughs> yes. But that uh, that basically covers it for the podcast. So lots of little bit news. Lots of uh, really cool discussion about some uh, re- recent game releases like Lost Judgment and Delta Rune, and maybe stuff that's less interesting like Castlevania. Uh, and it's always good to revisit Nino Kuni. Um, we've got the two reviews and the and the forespoken feature up on the site. And then, obviously, we will follow through on anything and everything that comes out of Tokyo Game Show from any of the publishers that we mentioned and uh, all that stuff. So you can always visit us at our website at RPGSite.net. We're on Twitter at RPGSite. You can also find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you can join our Discord channel if you want to talk about Arc Knights or Tales of Arise or any other recent RPG that you're interested in discussing. And we will be back next week with another episode of this podcast. So it'll, next week will be another holding pattern for TGS, but then the week after should be the big one. So look forward to that. But until then, stay safe, take care, and we'll talk to you next time. Alucard. Alucard. Uh, you forgot when he was taking that uh, Japanese identity, Genya Arikato? So that's the, the main character of the game, the, of the of the gacha. It's, it, that's, it, you're Arikato, and then you go into grimoires, and you become Alucard. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs>